Okie dokie, we're live? Yeah, we're going. Sick. Well, good evening. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. It's, uh, what's the date today? December 22nd. Oh my god. Tomorrow is Christmas Eve Eve. Isn't that fun? Um, first off, off the top of the show, uh, I apologize. I've been wrestling with tech issues, uh, running, getting my stream, uh, this thing to work right. I can't get my finger. This thing. Uh, it doesn't seem to be displaying correctly, so we're kind of dealing with a bit of weirdness there. It's, um, just a little strange how it's a little washed out. I think it's HDR related on my monitor after an update to this program I'm using. Been wrestling with it for half an hour and it's not fixed. So my apologies, but that's the way it's going to have to be this time. Anyway, oh man, I've already done one live stream today, so I'm a little out of breath. But I was also on Game Over Toronto a couple hours ago. Thank you very much to the uh, hosts uh, for having me on the STPN network. Uh, um, it was a lot of fun. Uh, oh man, sorry, I'm a little, I'm out of breath. I was just also running up the stairs to grab my water. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was a good time. Talked about the Leaf game. Talked about the upcoming World Junior Championship, which I believe will probably be a pretty common topic of conversation. Um, I also forgot to post this on Twitter. I am a mess today, everybody. Um, but yeah, also, uh, thank you to the sponsors of the show today. Um, first one obviously would be Fanatics. You can scan the QR code above my head or use the affiliate link in the description to get any gear you want. Uh, and it'll give me a little kickback and support the show. Uh, thank you to Marcus Gustafson for sponsoring the show. You can use coupon code scouching and get 10% off his course to train your hockey IQ and hockey sense. Uh, where I have a guest spot on there now, uh, and McKean's Hockey for featuring my work and um, helping me pay my bills. So thank you very much. Um, it's going to be a good time. Yeah, the Jack Olson mentioned the World Junior Report. Um, it's available for patrons. It will be public, public uh, soon, uh, probably closer to the day. Um, but yes, and also the rankings are going to come out uh, probably... I want to say by the end of this week, but man, it's a cram. It's a, it's a bit of a cram job. Um, I'll try to get it out to, to, tomorrow night uh, or tomorrow to patrons and YouTube members. Uh, and then next week, we'll probably make it public closer to the new year uh, because uh, nobody's really paying attention to, to hockey much literally on Christmas Day. Um, let me just put this out. <clears throat> okay. Go. Also, we're getting a nice winter storm here in Toronto, so we're hunkered down, uh, ready to party uh, for a couple of for a couple of however long it takes. Hopefully, our family members don't get stranded trying to come into the city. Would be that'd be great. Uh, anyway, we'll go through the list of players tracked, and then we'll get to the questions. And uh, yeah, okay. Uh, so uh, took a look at Alexander Figurin, who is a re-injury Russian defenseman. He did not get ranked. He was not very good. Uh, Felix Nilsson dropped him a little bit after tracking a game of him in the SHL. I did another Brandon Svoboda game. He got put down onto the watch list, so he got moved down a little bit. And then when working on my rankings, um, there isn't that many track players this week because I spent a lot of my time watching a lot of guys that were sort of flowing around the same region of the of the of the of the ranking list so uh the tracking was a little bit less this week than usual so but Svoboda got dropped to the watch list uh Nate Danielson got dropped a little bit um from like the high teens to the mid teens uh Quinton Musty went up a couple of spots uh I dropped Bradley Nadeau into the late first early second I believe uh Alex Rikov dropped him to sort of the mid late second I think I moved Colby Barlow up a few spots, but he's still very, very low for me compared to most of the relative of the, of the other people ranking him. 
Uh, and then I, the big one everyone's probably going to want to talk about, I moved Matvey Michkov to the mid-first round uh, after doing a game of him this week uh, and watching a few other guys around him. Uh, I took a look at Petter Vesterheim, who's a Norwegian player who just got his team promoted to the top division of the World Juniors. Um, he is a pretty fast, shifty boy playing for Mora in Sweden. Uh, Timur Mukhanov took a look at him, uh, moved him up a couple of spots. Uh, and I took a look at Albert Wickman, who is a defenseman um, for... He played with Tom Willander at the World Junior A. He's been playing in the SHL a little bit, so I went and took a look. And he's actually kind of good. Doesn't score a ton of points, but he's actually kind of good. Might be kind of a fun one to keep an eye on. Um, all right, let's get to the questions. Let's do it. Let's get to the questions. Um, okay, well, I'm ignoring the first one from Dylan Griffin because that's what he deserves. No offense to him. Actually, all the offense uh any thoughts on three really late birthdays oddly all swedish uh hugo hell felix ungersorum and svanta shodin well i'll start with shodin you would not you probably won't believe me but it's true uh he was brought up to me earlier uh and i have a tab open uh to remind myself to check him out so i have not seen anything of him but i will take a look felix ungersorum i have looked at a few times and i'm not really a fan i don't I don't really know. He's he's another one of these guys where I watch him and I just don't really know what he's what results he's driving. Um, his team is quite good. Like Alexan's junior team is usually pretty good in terms of you know playing with skill, playing with some physicality, being able to push back some junior level competition. I get the feeling that Ungersorum is just kind of a guy that's part of a good team, and I'm not really certain that his production really is leading to like massive projection in the NHL. There's just a lot of other guys elsewhere that I've really liked. And Hugo Hell, I've seen a bit of him, um, but he's not my favorite defenseman on that team. Or no, he plays on Fariastad, not Rogla. Um, I mean, I don't know. With Hugo Hell, he's really slender and kind of mobile. Just a guy who I've been watching off and on since the beginning of the year, and I just don't really... I just don't really see... Uh, much there like again I looked at a guy like Albert Vickman I see a guy who moves better than him a guy who is you know a better puck mover than him has a bit more mobility just a lot to like um you know but he's he's kind of but Hugo Hell on the other hand is just kind of okay um again it's it's maybe not you know he's he's fine but there's just a lot of other guys that I would much rather draft at pretty much any round of the draft that are likely to be available um grav is in here welcome grav and he loves my channel i'm glad i'm, I'm glad grav is uh, a sportsnet boy now and so now i've got sportsnet boys which is pretty incredible uh sam mcgilligan hello friend uh just how great are the small guys like brindley and perron this year well there's a lot of good small guys this year um i mean brindley i think is a really good procedural player who's still trying to figure out how to produce against better competition but I don't really have that many concerns. You leave him in college for another couple of seasons, and I feel like you're going to get a pretty good possession guy out of it, uh, even if he's not the biggest player in the world. He kind of has the work rate, the evasive skill, you know, the the quickness to sort of get around that. Um, and I, I think that his ability to see the ice and make passes, especially in the offensive zone, is really impressive. So there's that. Jaden Perron, I mean, I love Jaden Perron. He's he's fast, he's skilled, he's dynamic. He really knows how to sort of push and pull the pace of play. He's tenacious, he's great on the back check. There's a lot to like about him. Um, started the season ripping hot offensively uh, and just has slowed down. But I get the feeling that he's doing everything he can to make Chicago better than they are, um, driving a lot of their shots uh, he's he's involved in a lot of their shots, both shooting them himself and, and setting them up. 
Um, just a really, really, really talented young player who I think, you know, he might need a couple of years in college to sort of get a bit stronger and, and learn how to take risks in the right way and find that balance that a lot of young skill guys need to find. But I have all the faith in the world that he'll figure it out. His, his puck manipulation, his, his ability to find new passing lanes, just a lot to, just a lot to really, really like about him uh, and, and Brindley as well. But they're both very highly rated for me. Uh, on the Athletic Podcast, Corey Promen said that he's talked to scouts in the dub that don't really like Crystal and some that, that really like him and some don't. The ones that are are scared he might that don't are the the ones that don't are scared he might be the next Nick Patan. So I can't tell you anything about that because I wasn't watching Nick Patan when he was draft eligible, so I can't really tell you. But you know, look, I, when I look at Andrew Crystal, I mean, number one, when Nick Patan was in the NHL during key moments in his career, like in his early 20s, he actually did drive really good results. Um, and that's why a team like Toronto went out and gave him a chance and, and sort of extended an olive branch. But when he did play, the, the numbers for him were actually pretty good. It's just he couldn't put the puck in the net. I look at Andrew Crystal, I mean, I, when I think about this kind of thing, I, I think like, what's the problem with him? Right, like, what is the issue that that makes him less projectable? Right, like, I can't, I I don't really like when scouts say he might be the next Nick Patan without explaining why or like what that means. Because otherwise, you can just say that, right? Like, you can just say that, and it and it absolves you of responsibility. Because it's like, well, if he isn't the next Nick Patan, then that's good. He turned out to be good. If he isn't the next Nick Patan, then. I didn't say he was going to be. I was just afraid that he was going to be. Um, you know, when I look at Andrew Crystal, I don't see a better sort of puck handler, skill-based, creative playmaker, like, out there. Maybe I mean, Connor Bedard is separate. But, you know, I mean, I, I don't even remember Nick Patan when he was draft eligible. Because it's one thing to say score ninety points in your draft year and 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 end up, um, yeah. See, my colors are all washed out. I don't understand. Um, okay, yeah. So he had one hundred and twenty points in his draft year, but I'm pretty sure that team was like also unbelievably good. Yeah, Brendan Leipzig, Ty Ratty, Oliver Bjorkstrand was on that team. Seth Jones on the back end, like that was a good team. But um, and and with Kelowna, I don't think Crystal has the same supporting cast. There's a lot to like uh, about Crystal, though. He's undersized, yeah, but the the stick skill, the quickness that he's got, um, it's it's just remarkable. And every data point for him is very, very, very positive. Like, I don't know. I get the feeling that the right team drafting him will be thrilled to have him. I, I mean, it's the same thing. You know, could you have said the same thing about a Logan Stankoven, right? Where you sit there and go, well, he could be the ne- This person, Logan Stankoven, could be the next Nick Batan. It's like, well... Maybe, but he's playing pretty well. He keeps playing pretty well. He's probably going to have a heck of a role on the Canadian junior team this year. And if you want to pass over that player, then go nuts. But I would put my money behind Andrew Crystal. And and that's the type of hockey player that I want in the NHL. And I feel like if you put him around some good finishers, he's going to be just fine. Um, and the rest you can sort of work out. I mean, I again, I, I haven't seen a player as creative and productive in in these sort of high level creative ways in my viewing of players since like Mitch Marner where you have this guy who's sort of on the next sort of level of seeing play analyzing it seeing secondary options you know doing all these things that are really impressive I mean and at an even strength if you remove power play and, and shorthanded points 
He's he can hold a candle to Connor Bedard so far this year, and they're similarly sized. I think there are defensive concerns with Bedard right now, um, but there are you know defensive concerns with Crystal. We could talk all day about it, but I I don't know. I just don't really like analysis being very 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 uh, fence city about well this small player who produces a lot that wasn't super highly heralded previous to this year he could be this other one case study of a player who just didn't work out in the NHL but is good everywhere else and was good for a while in the NHL but just wasn't played much and wasn't given he was playing like Patan was playing like depth minutes from what I remember so you're not going to score much if you're playing depth minutes with guys that play bottom six minutes in the NHL but anyway um it just it to me it I would want an explanation of exactly what that means, right? Like, why is Crystal a guy who's going to struggle in the NHL, you know, and and, and where is that going to take them? Um, because Crystal's not only playing on a worse team than that Portland Winterhawks team, but in my view, he's driving a ton of the offense that that team does generate. And, I mean, the points aside, it's just that's what he's doing. Um, thoughts on Aaron Kiviharyu making the Finnish team? Uh, what's your opinion on him as a 24 eligible? Is he top five caliber? So Kiviharyu's funny. I mean, I I like him. Um, I think that what he I, I I I do have my foot on the brake pedal there with him being like the top player, like locked in in 2024. Like I don't see that. I think he is probably when it comes to vision on the ice and moving pucks and 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 not playing at a super high pace of play he's a tremendous puck mover right like he sees the ice really well um he he's a great passer he sees his options and analyzes things really really well um i just i worry about his feet he's not the biggest guy in the world um you know the big question is what happens when you pressure a guy like that like can he have, can he escape that pressure how does he do it like what so i'll be curious to see him at the world junior uh, I'm not surprised he made the team. I mean, when I look at the Finnish team, yeah, like I, I don't think there's a ton of guys that they left at home that that I probably would have brought. Sorry, I'm opening my World Junior file here that I've got just so I don't make a fool of myself. Um, here, there it is. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, 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 I like Kiwi Haru. Like, I think he's a really good prospect for next year, especially if his skating evolves over the next 12 months. Uh, which it probably will. It always does with young guys. Um, I just, I don't know. I will never, ever, 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 ever jump on a, this guy's a top five guy lock right now because I always find that that makes it just way harder to be objective when it's draft year time, right? Um, it's a big reason why Matt Vemichkov is, is is moved down so many so many spots this week because I've watched him so many times this year and been underwhelmed, but I'm hesitant to move him down because how is that how is Matt Vemichkov not a top five guy because he's been talked about as such for years so anyway that's besides the point I'm sure we'll get there at some point um but I don't know I, I don't see why Kiwi Haru can't be a really high pick next year so it'll be interesting to see him at the world junior this year thoughts on Hanzik uh same Hanzik Riley Height and Martin Misiak what are their ceilings and how would you describe each of their games are they all likely top six material I again with projecting players I am so hesitant to just say they're going to be a top six player so many contextual factors matter with how, um, you know, so many factors go into who plays in a top six in the NHL. I mean, I look at two of those guys, Hansik and Mishiak, and say, I don't know, maybe they could be top six players, but, you know, 
really good third liners or like solid second liners seems reasonable. Um, it's just, there's a lot of things that, you know, that could get in the way or, or, or that might hold them back because being a top six forward in the NHL is really, really, really hard. Um, Riley Height, I think, is kind of a guy who's going to play an offensive role in the NHL or he's not going to play in the NHL at all. Um, you know, I, I love Height's skill. I love the pace that he plays with when the puck is on his stick. He's got a really good shot as well. Like, when there's points to be had, he's there. The problem is that off-puck, Height, you know, Height plays like he's punching beneath his weight class, right? Like, I get the feeling that he's going to score a bunch of points at the end of 18 if he's there. Um, and we'll all get really excited. He kind of reminds me of what I thought of Dawson Mercer when he was draft eligible, where Mercer was a tremendous finisher and you could see the skill and the finesse in his game. But then when the puck wasn't on his stick, he wasn't really nearly as effective and you kind of want him to, to play that way. So if Riley Hyde is the type of player who can overcome that and go, okay, yeah, I get it. I need to move my feet. I need to get involved defensively. I need to turn pucks around. I need to use line mates a little more often than he does. Then yeah, I think he could be a really good player. Um, cause the talent is there. It's just a matter of getting there and, and learning the lessons and doing all those things. But, um, you know, I, I mean, I'm not saying Riley Heights, like not a great player. Like I think in terms of raw talent, he's probably a top 15 guy this year. I think in terms of overall looking at him, I, I'd say top 20 makes sense at worst top 25, but like rock solid first round skilled forward pick. Uh, Hanzik is a guy who I think is scoring a lot more than I think he you know, his talent levels probably should, but he's very good. Like I, he's, he's big and he's got great hands for a big guy. He, he manipulates pucks really well. He, he moves pucks around the ice and, and gets them around traffic really, really well. Um, there's a lot of things he does that, that are pretty impressive. He, he gets to the net, he grinds things out. Um, but, but his best traits are sort of just being able to fake one way, pull another, um, you know, does, he does a lot of things really well. Uh, it's just, I, even I'm kind of surprised with just how much he's scoring this year with Vancouver. I, I liked him at the Holinka and I didn't think he was going to do this. So we'll see how the back half of the year goes. But I mean, as a late first, early second, I think it's perfectly reasonable, but I could see a team jumping on him earlier, trying to build his, build his boots up, get him a little quicker, get him to be a little bit more of a, of a dynamic sort of offensive guy. Um, cause I've seen a lot of big guys with good hands, like say William Strumgren kind of just not not get there enough consistently to, to drive results at five on five, but Hanzik has been good. And Misiak I love. I, I I really, really like Martin Misiak and I'm really excited to see him at the World Junior this year. He's fast, he's ex- he's exciting, he's aggressive on the back check. He's he's a great team player. Um really good generator of offensive zone turnovers, just constantly hounding guys because he's fast and he's and he's got some skill. When he's back at the junior level, he is going to be a hard guy to stop. He's been playing pro hockey. This is his second year doing so. He's gonna be a tough one to to slow down in the NH in the uh in the world juniors, I think. Um, just because of how hard he plays at both ends. And I, I really, really like Martin Mishiak, even if you and if you can get him in like the third round, because not many people seem to be paying much attention. I, I think you've done a great thing, but I also think he plays a style that certain NHL teams will be uh, be really, really uh, impressive. Or really impressed with, I should say. Uh, who leads your data set for... Oh, boy. For... What was it? I missed it. Uh, what, who... Uh, my goodness. Uh, who leads your data set for good and bad reasons and expletives muttered by Will per 60? My guess is Musty. Probably Mikhail Gulyayev. 
musty mm, early in the year, yeah, but now not as much. Um, I'd say Mikhail Gulyayev is a great one for that. Um, I mean, yeah, there are some moments out of him that are just spectacular, and there are some moments out of him that are the opposite. Uh, spectacular for horrible reasons. Um, and, I mean, that's okay. You can work around that, but he's probably right there at the top. Is there a world where Callum Ritchie doesn't get drafted in the first round? Would you? I wouldn't, but I think it's unlikely he falls out of the first round. Like, I think the inertia on guys is really, really strong. I mean, I think his team being as bad as they've been makes it a little more difficult to sort of write him off. I haven't written him off. It's just whenever I watch Callum Ritchie, I don't, I don't really know what his role in the NHL is going to be, right? Like, I don't, he's got some size, he's got some skill, he's got a bit of pace in his game, but I don't, you know, I'm not sure if it's enough to, like, I don't know what his role is going to be in the NHL. And maybe that's a good thing, right? Like, he's a Swiss Army knife, you can give him a bunch bunch of different roles. But again, like, what happens a lot in the draft, and especially in this year's class where it's really strong, you, there's just a lot of guys that it's like, okay, I kind of like this guy more than what I've seen of Richie. So that knocks him down. And then you watch another guy who, especially Europeans, right? Like where you don't see them a ton until the draft year, you you pay a little attention to them and you're like, I kind of like this guy more than Richie and it bumps him down another spot. So that's kind of happened for me like 15 times. Um, I mean, he's in a tier that goes into my first round. If you want like a plug and play middle six guy who is going to play physical and he can shoot, and he's got some offensive ability as well, uh, just making plays in the offensive zone and, and and stopping up and looking for options. Like, if you want a guy who can do that, sure, right? Like, if you want to, you know, he's not, in a sense, he's kind of like aiming high. It's like, well, maybe we can, exa- you know, we can bring XYZ out of him, right? Like, let's let's find a couple of things that we think we can really pull out of him and, and, and magnify and, and make more important in his game. If that's the case, then maybe that would be a thing. Um, and you could draft him relatively high, but again, I always sort of look at what the player is doing in front of me at the time and go, okay, I'm going to value this a little bit more because I know that it's already there. And there's a few guys I think that I've just seen more out of than Callum Ritchie. And he is heating up a little bit as the year goes on. So I'm not, I'm not writing him off again. This is only December. It's not even 2023 yet. So there's still lots of time, I think, for someone like Richie to be like, you know, maybe, I don't know what's going on with him, but he has, to me, been a little bit underwhelming over the course of this season. Uh, Thoughts on Oliver Moore? If he was playing on a better line, do you think he'd be talked about more? I really like Oliver Moore. I mean, uh, I know Elite Prospects, I think, tweeted out their list, and he was very, very high on that list. Um, He is, you know, I think he's a really good deceptive offensive guy he he pulls pucks back and and creates passing lanes really really well um you know he's not afraid to sort of cut into different rushing lanes and and challenge defenders laterally a little bit which you which i love to see um he's a really impressive player like he's 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 pretty quick but his hands are really impressive. He knows how to move the puck around the offensive zone, and and he's moved up my board consistently over the course of the year. I kind of didn't really see it early in the year, but him and Ryan Leonard, I think, have just gotten better and better as the year went on. Um, and I, I, I think, uh, you know, he's in my top 15, I think. Let me check. Um, again, I apologize for the quality of my imagery here. I don't know what's going on. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's at 11 on my board and I, I really, really like what he brings to the, to the table. And I think there's a lot to, to, to bring out of it, uh, hidden away in a, in a cupboard up upstairs. Um, love the world junior report. Thank you, Jack. It's uh, always a pleasure to provide work for the people and there's rankings coming soon. So there's more coming. 
Uh, any special holiday traditions in the Scouch household? Have a great holiday season. Oh man, okay. So we just got this in the mail, but we love. Uh, we've loved. We were introduced to an album um, called Switched on Santa by a guy uh, named Cy Man from the '60s, and it's just Moog synthesizer Christmas music, and it's amazing. And we got the vinyl record in the mail literally today. So it's going to be fantastic listening to that. That is something we do every year. We also, same friends, introduced us to a movie called Cooper's Christmas starring a couple of Daily Show reporters, Samantha B. and I can't remember the man's name. It's just a, a, a set in the 80s dysfunctional family Christmas comedy movie. And it is completely outrageous. Uh, it's completely, it's not for children whatsoever. Do not watch it with your children. Do, just do not. Um, but it is very, very, very funny. Um, we love that movie. It's right up our sense of humor. Um, that's another weird sort of thing we do. Uh, I'm trying to think of other weird stuff. Um, I don't know. I feel like this is a Canadian thing, but I could be wrong, but we have like a nonstop supply of clementines in our house right now. Um, so there's that. That's also, uh, a thing that, that we do a lot. Um, Oh, also, I just realized, I think I said the guy who, who invited me on uh, Game Over Toronto, his name was Harmon. I apologize. It's Harnish. So Harnish, I'm sorry. <laughs> I think I blended the two hosts' names together, but yes, Harnish, thank you for having me on. Uh, but anyway, um, oh, someone just mentioned thoughts on the movie Jack Frost. That's another one that pops up in our house once in a while. It's a, it's a pretty good Christmas movie. We like that one. But other weird Christmas stuff, yeah, we have a nonstop, uh, yeah, we have nonstop supply of, of, of clementines in our home. Um, I'm trying to think of other stuff. I don't know. We don't do like any like weird pagan stuff, like, you know, lighting things on fire. Um, we're not an elf on the shelf family. I mean, we don't have kids, but you know, even if we did, I don't think we would do that. And that's not really weird anymore. That's just like what everybody seems to do. I don't know. Um, I'll think about it, but there aren't a ton. We watch a lot of movies once in a while. We tried to watch Ernest Saves Christmas last night, but the better half fell asleep about 20 minutes in so we paused that um but anyway yeah uh thoughts on ep's draft rankings i mean generally they were i think they were really well put together like you know uh let me just pull them up um <laughs> why did the where is it nope that's is it Nope. Uh, let me try to find it. Um, here, I think this is, would be it, right? This makes sense. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with the vast majority of it. Obviously, I'm not bullish on Matvey Michkov. I am not, and we can talk about that if you want. Uh, but Crystal, Benson, Fantilli, Bedard, Carlson, that's my top five. I have Smith around the same range. I don't have Dvorsky as high, um, but Moore and Perron, I have a little bit less behind that. I'm a huge Simashev guy and Sandin Pelika guy, so those guys make sense. Um, Gulyayev also, I think, belongs in that range, kind of. Not as big on Jaeger. Shale, I think that's around where he should be right now, but I'll be very interested in watching him at the World Junior. I'm not nearly as high on Barlow, uh, and we can talk about that. I did another game of him this week uh Leonard as well I mean I I have him a bit higher but I can see why he might be pushed back a little bit Musty is high but I you know what I have time for Quentin Musty to be perfectly honest it was uh you know the game I watched of him this week I I liked him I don't know like it's really hard like I I my range from like 20 to 
40 is so close. Like, I really don't know what to do. And I think Musty, if you want a certain type of player, I think he could be a really good skilled power winger. You know, the way he's able to make plays through traffic and just see the game and, and, and get into situations where he needs to escape pressure and get out of it with his size and he's got some good hands as well. Like, if that guy's skating can sort of take a couple of steps over the next few years, he could be a really impressive player. And if you're at 18 and you really want Quinton Musty, I'm not going to scream and cry about it, especially when, like, the guys after him, like Riley Height, Luca Cagnoni, I probably would prefer those guys, but I get the development angle on Musty. And same goes kind of for Hanzik. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't have Ethan, I don't have Ethan Goche ranked. Um, I love the William Whitelaw listing. I, I think that Whitelaw has just an absurd amount of upside, but a lot of risk. Um, same kind of goes for Brindley. I mean, Timur Mukhanov is another one that I love. Uh, Matt Wood, right around where I have him. Nate Danielson, a little lower than what I have, but I could do it. I, I, I could see how he might be a late first round pick for sure. But again, similar to, to Musty, like I'm taking more of an optimistic development angle with Danielson based on what I've seen. I'm not a fan of Casper Haltonen. Um, Alex Rikov, I think is a little high. Joe Willis, I've seen a few times and I don't see it, like especially with guys like Luca Pinelli uh, in the OHL. Like when I did Brock's list, I didn't have Joseph Willis on my top 10. So it just goes to show how all over the place uh, people's philosophies can be. Um, but I've watched Joseph Willis a few times and I don't really see it, especially when I see guys like uh, even in the OHL, Luca Pinelli, Bo Aiki. Uh, I'm trying to think of other ones that I think have just are higher on my list, but I can't recall off the top of my head. But a lot of it I get. I get a lot of the logic behind it. So I don't I don't really have like problems. I don't want to start any inter inter outlet drama. Uh, did you watch the World Cup final? Heck yes, I did. I watched as much as I could. Um, and then I turned it on at the end and said, screw what I need to do. I'll just watch the rest of this game. And it was insane. Uh, pretty, pretty wild. Um, the bolster. Oh, hey, Will, guess what? Oh, geez. We had him on the latest episode of the Zoobcast. Right. Oh, oh, you have proof you're not Angus Crookshank. I have, okay. I'll believe it when I see it, all right? I know how you can find an actor to pay to play some person. And you can be a guest on your own show. I, 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 I've, I know how to, I know how to deal with this. Uh, why has your opinion of Michkov gone down? Okay. So let's talk about Matt Michkov a bit. Um, first of all, I think the, the first thing for me is the script has sort of flipped. It's started with, okay, this guy is top ranked. He's, he's a really, really good player. You know, he's, everybody seems to think he's the, the next, the next big thing out of Russia. Um, I was always a little bit more pessimistic based on what I had seen out of him, but I saw the potential. Um, and so I'm, I had a lot of time for Mitchkov being one of the better players in this year's draft, but watching him this year, I, you just, you have a lot of questions about how he's going to project to the next level. I mean, I see a player who now I see him enough in the VHL where I'm going, all right, I've got issues with how he's playing at this level, but now that he's been moved to a team in the KHL that could probably actually play him quite a bit, I think we're going to, it'll be, it's, it's at the point where I'm assuming that I am wrong. And for the rest of the season, he is going to prove that I am wrong to me, right? Like I've watched Michkov a lot of times this year. Like I've tracked three games and I've watched a lot because 
I don't know. Some people might say I have them ranked really low just to get clicks or whatever. Like, I don't know. I would never put a player on my list somewhere just because I think it would drive traffic. I genuinely just see him as part of this group of of guys who can score points and have issues elsewhere in the game. Like guys like uh, Chalet and uh, Gavin, maybe not Gavin Brindley, but he's kind of limited offensively. But like Riley Height is in that group. Nate Danielson is in that group. You know, um, uh, and I, I look at Mitchkov and I see a player who has like running down the things that I really like. Uh, his his skill is really impressive. He knows how to move pucks around and, and he knows how to challenge defenders one-on-one or at least try. Um, the other thing he does is he's got a great sense of timing for offensive zone space. Like he knows... He, he knows how to make cuts and when to, to open up shooting lanes and make himself a cha- give himself an opportunity. He does things that coaches need players to do if they want to score points, which is a lot of the time, just go to the net. If there's chaos, go to the net. And he does that. He's had a few goals this year uh, at even strength. And again, I track only at five on five. That's all I really care about, right? When I look at prospects, I don't care about power play or how they play shorthanded. I, my view is... How they play at five on five should illustrate their potential usage at special teams, right? Like the those things should complement each other. And when I look at Mitchkov, I'm going, well, yeah, you put him on the power play, he's gonna shoot the puck like twelve times and score twice, right? Like that's probably just how it's gonna work, and that's fine. But that's not the game of hockey. That's not hockey, right? Like that's one specific situation. So when I look at Mitchkov, I see a guy who has trouble distributing the puck. Um, he takes on way too much on his own. He skates into pressure constantly. Um, he has really no, like he has no, no push and pull. Um, he, he doesn't, he, he goes straight into the offensive zone and challenges guys one-on-one probably loses the puck and turns it over and it comes back the other way. If he's not on the puck, he is nowhere to be found. I don't know if this is a, a structural thing for SKA Navis St. Petersburg, but there are periods where I watch and they're basically shorthanded in their own end for valuable seconds. And he's at the offensive blue line, you know, like he, the second there's a chance of a breakout, he's gone. So he's a player who is looking for offense and not really doing much at both ends where I'm going, okay, you know, you look at his shot differentials at five on five. They're not great this year. Um, and I think a lot of that is because he's not he's not strong enough or fast enough or agile enough to really be a good pursuit defender. He's he he his skating, it's you know he's got great hands. The skill is there, and the shot quality is there. But the mobility and the aggressiveness and the footwork to be a game breaking offensive guy, I don't think is there right now. At least for higher levels. But th- this is. But this is why I want to see him at the KHL level because, you know, guys have played in the KHL all year long before, right? Like Danila Yurov did it all year last year, you know? And if I, if, if I see Matvey Michkov and he kind of gives me the same vibes as what Danila Yurov was giving me last year where there wasn't a lot that he could do, but off puck and you see the going to the net coming out and, and doing all that stuff, Yurov was doing that quite often. But Yurov went from being a top 10 guy for a lot of people before the season to a late first round pick. And, you know, I look at Michkov and I see a little bit more skill than what I remember seeing out of Yurov. Um, but I also see a player who isn't nearly as good of a puck distributor as, as Danil Yurov was, but that was at the junior level. Um, so I want to see Michkov with, in the KHL for the rest of the year. Like, because in the VHL, I see problems. I see a guy who is you know, kind of cheating for offense a little bit. Um, 
and a lot of things I think are just are just not quite not quite at the level of some of the other guys ahead of him. Like I, I don't know, it's 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 just very okay to me. Like there, the goal he scored, he scored a goal in the game I tracked, and it was a goal where not only did, am I like ninety five percent sure he put himself offside on the offensive zone entry. But the goalie was not in a good position to stop the puck, but he just slapped the he just slapped the puck as hard as he could, nearly whiffed on it, and shot it directly at the goalie with a wide open net, and it just went through the goaltender. Like these are the kinds of things that happen in Russian second division hockey or Russian junior hockey. Like sometimes weird stuff like that happens, and maybe that happens in the NHL once in a while, but I see other guys just driving a lot more dangerous play on their own, making their line mates better. Um and a lot of them are doing so at the men's level, right? Like Dmitry Simashev has been in the KHL for large portions of this season uh, and and looked like he belonged there until he got hurt. Um, Mikhail Gulyayev, he has issues for sure, but you see flashes in the KHL where you see what he can bring. So that's, I mean, I'm looking at Mitchkov and going, okay, he's with a team that probably could use him a lot. If they use him, I'll be very curious to see what his results look like or how he looks like there. I have all the time in the world to put him higher, but right now it's... To me, like some people might say I'm putting him low for clicks, but in, if anything, it's disingenuous for me to leave him high just because other people have him high. Um, you know, and again, look, I, I'm i more than happy to listen to, to other people's disagreements on this, 100%. But when I ask a couple, a couple of people, you know, I've seen say, well, like, I, 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 again, I, I'm not picking on anyone specifically here. I'm just picking an example that pops into my head. You know, uh, on the EP call, Elite Prospects call, I think Cam Robinson was saying, well, Mitchkov has just got that special thing. And my retort is, well, what is it? Like, can you articulate what that is? Explain to me what it is that Mitchkov does better than anyone that puts him in the top five of this year's draft because I don't I don't see it, right? And if it is just off-puck timing and the level of skill that he's got and, like, those are the two things he leans into – and he can be a, a good shooter at the end of a chain of possession. To me, that's just not as valuable in my philosophy. And and to me, that doesn't I don't want that in the top five. I'll take the I'll take a different type of player at that at that range. So anyway, it's it's long story short, it, it just has been multiple games where I've been a little bit underwhelmed um with his five on five play, especially off the puck uh, away from the offensive zone, where it's just I don't know. It's it's it. The risk is terrifying to me. Like you don't want to go up there uh, and draft the the next. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I'm again. I'm not. I don't want to do the the thing that was brought up about Corey Promden, where it's like, well, what if he's the next this player? But you don't want to go up there and draft the next Nikolai Zherdev fifth overall, right? Where it's you know he had his own problems for sure, um, and Columbus, from what I know, didn't really do him any favors. But and that was also years ago. I might be dating myself, but you don't want to do that. Like I. I look at Mitchkov, and the guy that constantly came to mind for me was Alexander Galchenyuk, watching him play with Toronto over the years and with Montreal, where you can see how he can be a productive NHL player for sure, but then you kind of peel back the layers a little bit, and you can kind of go, okay, but this is problematic. This is problematic. Like, there have been multiple times this year where he does the thing that Alex Galchenyuk did that killed the Leafs in Game 6 of the Montreal Canadiens series, where it was the -the behind-the-back pass and three-on-three overtime. Mitchkov has done that a handful of times when I've just, when I've watched him of skating into pressure or, or taking pass receptions in the defensive end and getting checked by someone using body positioning pretty well to gain positioning, but then just heaving it into the middle of the ice and it skips over an opponent's stick right in the danger zones. Like 
You don't want that. That's that's not a good thing. And maybe you can coach that out of his game. Maybe. But the fact that he does that and other players don't is problematic to me. And especially as a guy who might go top five. Like, it's just, it's a valuation thing. So anyway, I'm, I'm going on and on about it. But I mean, it's it's a big topic. It's a hot, it's a hot take. So it needs, you know, hot evidence. I don't know if that's a thing at all. But but the, it, it's just been something percolating in my head. And then after the last game I watched, I just was like, you know what? I'm putting this guy behind all the guys I think I would rather have ahead of him. And if I'm wrong, he'll prove it to me for the rest of the year. That's especially now that he's changed teams and he's going to Sochi. Um, doo, doo, doo. Thoughts on Swazil and Knazko and their projectability at the next level. Yeah, I mean, Knazko, I think, is a bit of a long shot at this point. Like, he's been okay in the AHL this year. Um you know, but again, it's, it's similar to other things where it's like, well, what is he going to do? You know, what is this NHL job going to be? I think he's smart enough and mobile enough to be a decent puck moving defenseman through his passing. Um, I haven't watched a ton of the Cleveland monsters this year, to be honest. Uh, but, but I mean, he's always struck me as a guy that could be a good, smart puck moving defenseman and maybe struggle to really sort of be a game breaker or really give himself a role that makes him really, really important. Um, and yeah, I mean, I've, I've always liked Samuel Knazko and where he was drafted, I thought made sense, but, um, I don't think anything more than like a bottom pair minutes eating guy is, is really likely. Uh, but you know, he's always been a project. You leave him in the AHL for a while and see if he earns a job and Svazil, uh, he's kind of stagnated to me. I don't, I don't really know. Um, I, I haven't seen much of him this year. I, I, I've seen Regina a few times and with Svozil, it's always been sort of, uh, I don't know. I feel like he hasn't really taken that next step to be the high end offensive guy that he might could have, he maybe could have been. And he also hasn't done, he also hasn't done much defensively to improve outside of straight line attacking with his stick checking and, and, and grinding things out along the boards. He's fine. I don't know. I have, I have come down a little bit on my opinion of Svozil, but I, I still think there's maybe something there similar to Knazko. You leave him in the AHL for a while and, and see if he can sort of carve out a role at the pro level. Um, I just don't think uh, like Knazko, I just don't think he's going to be a, a massive point producer. Um, but I think he's smart enough and, and mobile enough to be a pretty decent defensive player. And maybe there's something there for him. Um, what's the biggest difference today to when you started scouting and what is the difference between the players of today and the ones when you started scouting? Um, I don't think there's that much difference between the players then and now, because when I really started digging into watching a lot of tape and, you know, going beyond just the, a lot of data work and the video came afterwards. And once I got access to a lot of video, that's when I started to sort of teach myself by looking at, okay, these guys came out of the draft later than, than they should have. And they worked out in the NHL. So looking at why. That was like a big exercise once I got access to all these video services that really helped. But to answer your question, um, you know, I think I think when I really went back and started this back in like 2016, there still was this weird middle area where it was this weird middle period where there was still a lot of really physical, like physical tools and and defensive play, quote unquote, was really valued. Um, but it was changing. You could see teams sort of thinking things through a little bit differently. Um, 
you know, uh, seeing a guy like, for example, Urho Vakanainen, who had been in the Liga as a 16-year-old for a while and be, be, be well in the first round in 2017, for example, that, I think, is a thing that might not happen. That would be kind of, to me, like Theo Lindstein still being in the first round. He played in the SHL a little bit last year and doesn't produce a ton just like Vakanainen, but mm, I don't know. Um, but, but I, I think the things in the, in the league have sort of shifted where there's fewer inefficiencies, I think over the years, uh, especially since 2016, when I started doing this, like more teams are just going, let's just draft this guy and see if it works rather than finding reasons not to draft a guy and letting some good player slip all the way to the fifth round or sixth round. You know, it, it still happens once in a while, in my opinion, but the, you know, the number of times where I'm sitting in the sixth round being like, these guys all perform very well and it might be worth taking a chance on them. It's pretty, it's pretty small. Um, I think, but for, but that kind of touches on what's changed for me personally. I think a couple of things. One, my bar is way higher, right? Like my bar for looking at a player and going, this guy could be an NHL prospect is much higher. Um, you know, I have a lot of names on my list, but a lot of these names I could I could articulate a role in the NHL they could play or something they could achieve. Um, the other thing that I think has changed a lot is really sort of understanding the differences between the NHL and the rest of the world and applying those differences to look at players. So what I mean by that is the NHL is kind of a unique league in the world. It's the best of the best, ideally. And, and, and the, the level of play at the best levels in the NHL is really, really hard. Um, it's really hard. Uh, you know, I, I think that, um, you, you need, you need guys, you, you need guys to do, I talked about this on game over Toronto, right? Earlier today, we talked about why Toronto was able is has been able to hold teams like Tampa and yes even Philadelphia to like fewer than 10 shots through two periods right really sort of clogging things up defensively like what is it about them especially when they're missing so many defensemen and I think a big part of that is that they have forwards who understand that playing offense also includes playing good defense right like you gotta be there on back checks you gotta have the speed and the range to cover back checks get involved defensively and be able to turn play around and come back offensively because your defensemen can't just do everything themselves. Like by nature, there are fewer defensemen than forwards on the ice. So if your opponent sends your, sends their forwards into your offensive zone, into their offensive zone, your defensive zone, and your forwards aren't back checking very much, you're in an odd man situation, which is no good. So the more you can sort of clog up the neutral zone with fast skilled guys who can get involved in play and turn it around, the better off you're going to be. But you have to be able to, spot that in younger players and go, okay, maybe they do bring that tenacity and energy off the puck already, but you can also look at the players and go, well, can we get them mentally to commit to that? Like, do they understand that that's an expect expectation of them? You know, and, and I think the, uh, the same can be said for something like bigger players who were, who are historically quite overvalued. You know, are you looking at bigger players who maybe aren't super quick or skilled, but you're there to be big and, and clog up the lane that way. Well, then what happens when you get the puck on your stick, right? You become a target. You, you're a slow moving target for an opponent to then get the puck off of you. So that's why I always lean towards guys that are quicker, more skilled, you know, more creative and bring that tenacity or have the potential to bring that tenacity. 
And so that's why I look at guys like, say, Jordan Dumay or Josh Waugh, or uh, I'm trying to think of other examples. Um, in this year's draft, maybe Colby Barlow or something. And I look at that and I go, yeah, but they're, they're not the quickest guys in the world. They're not the most skilled in the world. But I, and I, and I just don't see that off puck work rate and that tenacity, you know, it's, 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 and, and so even if I were to get the message through to them of like, you've got to like, there's got to be more every shift. Like you've, you know, if you're going to play in the NHL, you got to be a real pain in the ass on, on the back check, you know, and be able to turn play around. But I don't see the current ability there yet to, to, to put it all together. So that just knocks those guys further down my list. And I think that those are things that when you look at the data, it can be easy. When you look at the production, for example, it can be easy to look at that and go, this is the thing that I, this, this player is really good because they're doing these things, but then they get to the AHL and things are not the same. You, you know, you look at the NHL and it's a very, very different story. Um, and, and some guys take a little longer to get there. They get better. They continue developing. They get better skating. They get better. They get quicker. They get stronger. And maybe they can play some kind of a role in, in the in the depths of an NHL team. And they might have been drafted really late or, or not been a super highly valued prospect for one team and gone to a new team or whatever. But that's almost impossible to predict anyway, right? Like to me, the whole reason I do what I do is to to make the best bets possible. Not just, not, and, and, and to me, you're not making a very good bet when you're sitting there and trying to anticipate who's going to be maybe a bottom six guy when they're 25 or 26, you know, like that, that's, that's just making a lot of work for yourself that you probably can't figure out. Whereas for me, I, I focus on the now, what does the player bring now? And what would I, what would I is malleate a word? Like what would I morph this player into that still helps their strengths and fixes the weaknesses they have? Um, so that's a big thing that's changed. Just sort of looking at what an NHL player looks like and, and, and understanding that points are not everything, right? Like points are a reward for good play, but good play can mean a variety of different things when you're looking at players playing in any number of countries at any number of different levels with any number of various levels of quality of competition. It's just all over the place. Um... Uh, was wondering your thoughts on Noel Nord and Noah Dower Nielsen. Yeah, I mean, Noel Nord is interesting. I think with time, he could be a good bottom six power skill guy. Um, you know, he's a fun player to watch in terms of just being big and and relatively quick on his feet with a bit of skill. You know, I, I think he could be a role player down the road. Like, he's in my second round. I, I, don't, I don't really mind Noel Nord at all. Um, he's been good in the SHL games that I've seen him play and, and just sort of you know, finding space pretty well, uh, and, and driving good results. Um, Noah Dower Nilsson, you know, like he kind of reminds me a little bit and I have him ranked in the same range as this player last year, but he kind of reminds me a little bit of like the, the junior level. This was said by Mikhail Holmes. So I can't, I'm stealing it from him, but he kind of was like the, the Jordan Dumay of the junior league in the national over in Sweden in the junior league. He he's not super quick. He's not the most skilled guy, but damn, he can finish, right? Like he knows how to put pucks into dangerous space right around the goal mouth. He knows how to roof it. If he's six inches from the goalie, like he knows how to finish. Uh, but the rest of the package is just a big, big mixed bag with Noah Dower Nilsson. And I don't know, he's just lower on my list than his production would indicate because I just don't think he brings the sort of pace and skill and speed that you need, but I can't say he can't learn it. 
um, the skill, the, but the, but the, but the, you know, the finishing ability is certainly there. And that's sometimes what matters in it when it comes to generating points. Uh, Hey, Will, what are your thoughts on Alex Rikov? Seems to be a nice two-way player in the VHL with offensive upside. Yeah. I mean, I, I like Rikov. I mean, there's not much talk about him. He's at the end of my second round, I think right now. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he's moved down a little bit over the year. Um, but you know, he's a good player. Where is he? There he is. Yeah, he's in the middle of my second round towards the back half. Um, you know, he is a smart player. He knows how to read play. He's aware of space uh, a lot. Um, I think there is a bit of offense there. He's young for the draft as well. Uh, it's it's just, you know, he kind of gets closed in on pretty quick. His ability to generate speed is pretty limited. He doesn't really have that great problem-solving ability to, to sort of create space for himself or get pucks to line mates easily. Um, but that's not a, that's not a bad thing. He's playing pro hockey in, 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 uh, in Russia. And, and I mean, look, I have him in the second round. If he, if he was still there in the early second round, he's not ranked that high in my tier for him, but I I could, I could see it. Um, but again, in this year's draft, like there's so many good case cases for maybe a late first round draft pick that I think he's just a hair behind all those guys. But I do really like Alex Rikov. He, He brings a lot to the table in terms of thinking the game the right way, playing with a lot of intensity, um, and reading play really, really well that I think should be a nice building block to start with if you wanted to leave him in Russia for a few years. Uh, thoughts on Lucas Sagrandin? Um, he's on my watch list, I think. Um, he's small, but he is tenacious. He's a go-getter, right? Like, he goes out there, he moves fast, he tries to get dudes. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm not I'm not sold on, on a huge amount of upside for him, especially if I'm drafting an undersized guy. I think there are other players that I think I look at first. Um, but he's fun. He's fun to watch. He's a little wrecking ball. Um, and, uh, I mean, not like super physical, but he goes out there and tries, and, and he's got a bit of skill as well and drops a shoulder. He can get around pressure. But I would really like to see him at higher levels before getting really excited. Uh, you kind of said your all-star team, but who would be your forward D and goalie of the tournament if you had to predict? Well, uh, uh, to preview the post, I mean, right now I have my all-star team as Shane Wright, Connor Bedard, Fabian Liesel with Luke Hughes, Seamus Casey on D, and uh, Carl Lindbaum in net. I mean, I, I don't know. I think I think if Carl Lindbaum can perform well, then Sweden's going to perform well. I think Luke Hughes will have a heck of a fun time in this tournament, um, as will Seamus Casey. Fabian Liesel, I think, will be a key player for Sweden, and I, I could see if Sweden goes deep with Carl Lindbaum that Liesel will be right there. You know, he's going from playing in the AHL down to junior hockey again after a season in the SHL last year, so that's great. Um, and Bedard and Wright, I just don't think they're going to have any problems uh, running the show for Canada this year. Uh, 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 been doing a lot of talking today. My throat's already dying. I've seen Brustovitz falling as he's struggling. His overall points are still solid. I've never been a big fan of Hunter Brustovitz. Uh, he star- I think he started the year with a point per game in the first like 12 games or something, but they were like all defense, all, all on the power play. I'm pretty sure. Um, I don't know. Like, look, when I watch Brustovitz, I see a guy who is slow. I see a guy who doesn't really have a lot of, of skill in his game. I see a guy who offensively is more talented than he is defensively, but you know, his feet are really a limitation. I think of driving overall impacts, um, you know, but he sees the ice. Well, he can make a play in the offensive zone just from a little bit of deception and finding targets in the offensive zone. He's in my third round, but I I don't know. I get the feeling by the end of the year, he might not be on my list just because I, 
you know, the only way I could see really pushing for him is saying, well, we can make his skating come X, like come X number of levels, right? Like our development staff thinks that his skating can really, really improve based on mechanical factors, whatever. But again, like, am I drafting that in the first round or the second round? Probably not based on who might be available or who should be available or guys that are playing around the world that I've just really, really liked more. I mean, I, I look at other defensemen like Tom Willander in Sweden, uh, even Theo Lindstein. Um, I'm trying to look at the other ones here. Um, like Hoyt Stanley or Bo Akey. I think I would, I would put more money on that personally than Bruce Devitz, just because there's a lot more of a baseline of, of high pace hockey to work with. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, you know, his production is still fine, but I, I don't know. I think a lot of people are noticing that, that the boots are a problem and, uh, and, and that really, really limits him, especially defensively. Uh, would Jaden Perron be loved more if he was playing in the WHL rather than the USHL? Probably. I mean, I don't know the, the USHL people get drafted out of there all the time, right? Like Kyle Connor went in the mid first round and he scored a bunch in the USHL. But I, I think with Perron, I think if the Chicago Steel were better around him, I feel like he would be more respected. The 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 guys he plays with are just kind of fine. Like Jack Harvey is fine, and um, I'm trying to think of his other line mates, and I can't I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe, but I don't mind either way. I I still really like him. Uh, thoughts on Mitchkov heading to Sochi? It's it's necessary. I mean, Sochi is a young team. They're not good, but they're young. They'll be able to give him lots of minutes, and and it'll be lots of reps at a high level that really should. If Mitchkov is this like super high end Russian guy, that I don't see that he'll display that. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe he he will pop off in the KHL when he gets a lot of minutes and and a lot of opportunity. Um, but I know I know that there are. I know I have ideas of what limitations there are on, on, on him, at least based on what I've seen so far this year. Uh, Stankoven is on Dallas with guys like Drew. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Stankoven's going to be just fine in Dallas with a supporting cast. Where do you want to see a winter classic game played and what teams? Ooh, that's a very good question. Um, I would love, I mean, that Lake Placid game they did was really, really cool. Lake Louise, I think, is the easy answer that a lot of people give, but I feel like the logistics of that would be insane. Um, if it were possible, not saying it is, but if it were possible to do a game in the desert, it'd probably be horrible for the environment. But, like, a Vegas game in the desert on ice would be so cool. It would be tough to do, but I'm just thinking of the, of the area, right? Like, if you could find a place to play a hockey game um you know even if you uh i don't know like found a place like i'm thinking similar to like red rocks amphitheater right like you maybe could do it at night you know light up the surrounding environment so that it's a little cooler it does get cold in the desert at night so if you do like a night game outdoors with like a nice lit up surrounding landscape then i think you could do something really really fun um i don't know i'm thinking of another of other options um because the NHL has also done quite a bit. Uh, but yeah, that's the easy answer. Like a nice winter classic in the desert, you know, in a in a nice sort of rugged area where you can sort of have the landscape around, but you would do it at night so it's a little cooler. I think that would be kind of fun. Um, have you seen much of Fraser Minton this season? He's been a power play dynamo, but not much at 5-on-5. Five five. Uh 
yeah, um, so I have seen Fraser Minton a little bit here and there. Uh, you know, he's definitely a, a better shooter than he was last year for sure. I think that what I, I think I see a little bit more of the appeal out of Fraser Minton just with how he places his passes and, and his timing is just really, really good. Like he strikes me as a guy who really is a student of the game and, and really wants to understand what he's doing and, and how beneficial he can be with his passing, especially. I mean, I still think that, you know, you're maybe looking at a third line center there who just eats minutes and can play and, and, and set up the odd play for his line mates for sure. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I really like how he moves pucks through his passing up the ice. It's just everything is placed really, really well. Uh, and he's working on his, on his shot. So maybe there's something there. Um, I, I, he's taken a step this year, but you know, still, I feel like a top 40 pick is still a little bit, a little bit much, but maybe I'll be, maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe it's not the first time. Uh, how do I feel about Matt Wood, uh, with his size and shot? Can he overcome his feet and be top six? I think it's possible. Um, you know, I've got Matt Wood in my late first round, but I have all the time in the world to listen to Matt Wood takes, you know, in the mid first round, he's, he's, you know, he's a guy who's similar to Quinton Musty, like under pressure. He's got good skill. He knows how to escape pressure with his hands, you know, get passes to line mates. He's not selfish. Um, you know, he's a good shooter as well. Like you said, um, you know, I'm maybe not the best shooter in the draft or anything like he's, he's up there, but he's a, he's a good shooter, but, but I think that he's kind of, you know, not quite in the top echelon amongst other players in the draft. Um, could he be a top six? I mean, I could see him being like a second line scorer, maybe second or third line scorer, nothing too insane, but a, a perfectly capable offensive player in the NHL. I do think his feet are going to hold him back a little bit from like being a game breaker, but I can't say it's impossible, right? He's still young. Um, you know, you give him five years and maybe he'll improve and get to the point where he can be a, a really offensive threat at, at a high pace and be a big boy. Cause he's got the hands, I think for, for doing a pretty, to do a pretty good job of navigating pressure and, and getting out of getting out of jams. Uh, if you were a sharks fan, would you be just as happy to draft Fantilli as you would Bedard? Yes. Um, have you already talked about Will Smith? No, he's a lot of fun. Um, high, high, high skill, high, high, high create creativity, but he's one of these guys who, when he doesn't have the puck on his stick, you kind of want to see more. Um, you know, he's not super involved defensively. He's not the most aggressive defensive player, which you probably need out of your centers. He's not the quickest guy in the world, but the skill level is so high that he can manage it just fine right now. Um, he's a guy where I think you give him some time in college. He'll just keep getting better and better and better. Um, and, and, you know, you don't rush him, but I think that he could bring a lot of good results to a team, but he is, um, he does have some issues, but the top end stuff is really, is really good. Um, how's Simon Robertson coming along? Happened to watch him recently. I have actually, I saw him, uh, very quickly, uh, as a, I was, who was I watching some other guy on his team in the SHL. And I, I thought Simon Robertson played quite well. He's had a better year this year than he did last year. He's playing more minutes. Um, he's been solid. Uh, thoughts on Aiden McDonough. I can't give you any answer on that. I have not seen Aiden McDonough play in a long time. Uh, not sure if you watch the pre-tournament games for, for Canada, but Josh Wall looks like a very good complimentary player. I remember you saying last week that he was a passenger on the team last year. Well, look, when I watch, I, I haven't watched the pre-tournament games, but one of them was against Switzerland and Switzerland is a team I think could be relegated. Um, you know, I don't know. I watched Joshua. I did see him play a little bit in that Switzerland game and he scored a goal. Um, I don't know. I still, I still stand by it. I just don't, I don't see a huge a high end player out of Joshua. I mean, a very good complimentary player may, maybe like at what level, right? Like, I don't, I don't know. 
Um, I haven't, I don't know. I, he, maybe me saying he was a passenger on the team last year is a bit harsh, but I also feel like, you know, he's not, he's not, he's not moving the needle to the point where I'm going, this guy's going to be a, a tremendous NHL player. I just don't see it. Um, I, I look at a guy like Nathan Gaucher playing on that line, um, as a guy who's really, he was throwing his weight around. He was really moving. Um, and that unlocks a lot for guys like Josh Watt to, to sort of be there, right? Like why, for example, with a guy like Josh Watt, like why him and not someone else who goes to the net and, and can sort of be that complimentary player? You know, I, I, I don't know, maybe in the draft, you draft him in the fourth, fifth round, like they did. And, and over time he sort of comes a long way or, or, you know, he should have been drafted earlier, but I don't know. The whole thing with that is, you know, at the time of draft of the, of drafting, I did not see a player in Josh Wall that I really, really wanted. Um, and, and, and now I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll, we'll see. Um, is Kachikov legit? It seems like it, it seems, it seems like it, but I'm not going to say anything about goaltenders ever. Never going to, never going to, never going to be definitive about goaltenders because one year they can be good and another they can be bad. So who knows? Uh, oh lost my spot again that's great uh, um oh geez thoughts on owen beck his scoring is way up and everyone talks about how he's a top end two-way center but it seems like the steelheads uh give up five or six goals every game well that's not his fault um i don't think their goaltending is great uh from what i've seen in the data with them um owen beck has taken a step this year right like he's he's a bit quicker he's a bit more skilled he's taken on more responsibility um, you know, he's, he's just a really, really smart player and they're building the the talent around how smart he is and how effective he is. Um, you know, he, he kind of strikes me as maybe a little bit of a, a quicker and more skilled Fraser Minton per se, like a really smart all around guy that can do a lot of things really well, positions himself really well. He's skilled enough to gain transitions. He's quick enough to gain them as well. Um, my whole thing with him has always been, well, the NHL is the NHL. Like, what's his job going to be in the NHL? And yeah, I could see him being a, a a bottom six guy. Do you think Bedard will become a winger in the NHL? How, how would you play him on the wing? I would. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I don't really care either way. Um, I don't know if I would make him a center. At least, you know. I mean, he's played center for so many years now that I probably would try him there. And if it doesn't work, you move him to the wing because the wing is, you know, he hasn't played on the wing like very much uh, outside of at the World Juniors, I think, this past summer. But anyway, I don't know. I would try either, right? I, it, de- it depends on who he's playing with. It depends on the team he's on. Um, depends on the coach he's got. Like, there's a lot. If it's me, I try him at center. And if it doesn't work, I move him to the wing and maybe move him to center if need be and, and see if he can sort of figure it out, right? Like, with a young player that talented, like, you just kind of, try things and see what sticks in the NHL because it's really hard to anticipate. Uh, the Habs are likely looking at drafting twice in the top 10 of the next draft. Let's assume they draft around 6th and 10th. Which two players make sense for the Habs? Um, I mean, I think Zach Benson on the Habs makes a lot of sense. I think he'd be a monster with them. Andrew Crystal sending passes to, uh, to, to, to uh, Cole Caulfield or something sounds horrifying. If you can get a Leo Carlson, like if you come away with Carlson Benson, I think you're laughing, but I don't know if that'll be possible. Um, you know, I, I wonder if Montreal would, I don't know. I doubt they draft like a Sandine Pelica. Uh, but I mean, Benson is the one, Benson is the one that I think sticks out the most to me. 
if it's 10th overall, if, if a guy, I don't know, it depends on what you're looking for, right? Like there's a lot of guys that could be good options. Um, it's a good question because it's also very early in the year. Other than guys like Carlson and ASP, are there other Swedish guys that have caught your eye and kind of flying under the radar? Yeah, I mean, I like Felix Nielsen uh, with Rogla. He's good. Tom Willander as well, I think, is a guy who's flying under the radar. Uh, he's not Swedish, but Alex Sirnik has been good in the pro level this season when I've seen him. He, again, not Swedish, but Oscar fisker uh with HV71 has been very good uh, in the games I've seen. Um uh what else do we have here uh who else is in here uh yeah but i guess that runs i guess that's about it i, I like the potential of anton Wan Wahlberg, but he's a long ways away but I, I like his potential uh is r2 karki any good hmm. i don't i don't really think so i just took another look at him the other day to make sure i didn't want to rank him and i i don't know i don't i don't really i don't really think there's an nhl player there but um, you know, m maybe, maybe like he's got a bit of shiftiness to him. He's got a decent shot, but, uh, I came into the season really liking him. And the more I've watched him, the more I think he's just kind of fine. Um, you know, but we'll see. I would love to see him in the, in Liga, but he hasn't played there. I don't think, <clears throat> uh, Bortolo and Eklund are doing pretty good in the AHL. The sharks are doing pretty bad in the NHL. What are the sharks doing? I don't know. I don't, I don't work there. I couldn't tell you. What are your thoughts or, or projection uh, on Maxim Sturbach? Um, I like Sturbach. I mean, I think he's a pretty solid, if not uninspiring defenseman. Like, he's got some skill. He's got a bit of deception in his game. He's solid defensively. You know, I could see him eating minutes, but I don't, I don't, he doesn't excite me. You know, he's, he's fine. He, he's producing decently well in the USHL, pretty well, actually. Um, well, decently well. I don't know. I just, I think there's other defensemen that I think I just value more than him that will probably, him and Jakob Dvorak. I think I take Dvorak over him and I feel like I'll get Dvorak after he gets drafted, after, after Sturbach gets drafted. But Sturbach is fine. I think there's, the, I think there's nice, a nice set of building blocks to work around and, and, and move forward with. Why did Danielson drop? Uh, I'm trying to remember. Uh, I mean, I had him really high. That was the big thing. I had him really high and eventually just sort of thought, you know what? Um, really good north-south player, great skate line, straight line skater, great playmaker off the wings, great shot in open ice, but there's that next step that puts him sort of in the top 15 that I just haven't really seen of, of really sort of taking over a shift. You know, he's not really moving his feet as much as I'd like him to. It's, you know, he's not, he doesn't have a tremendous amount of speed, but there's a lot to like. I mean, he does a lot of things really well. I would be more than happy. I mean, again, and he's still in the same tier. Uh, he just went from, or I think he is. He might be just outside of where he was. I don't know. Um, but he was, you know, like guys like Brindley and Chalet and Benelli and Cagnoni, like I could pass on those guys and maybe go for a Danielson. In my heart of hearts, I really, really like him. Uh, best shot in the draft other than Bedard and Michkov? Uh, Fantilli, probably. Um, it's remarkable how hard and good he can shoot. Uh, maybe Ryan Leonard is up there. Riley Height, maybe. Yeah, probably not. Uh, I need water. Where's my Where's my Where's my glass? All right. Let's continue. Um. 
is Bjarnason in a tier below goalies like Hrabble and Augustine? Uh, yeah, but I mean, I don't know much about goaltending. I have Hrabble up high because he gives me the vibes that uh, Jesper Wallstead gave me, but in the USHL. So I'm like, all right, I'll still take that. And he's six foot six and size kind of does matter in net. Trey Augustine just has insane save percentages from dangerous areas. So I'm just going, okay, there might be something there. I don't know. I like, I watch him and I'm going, okay, he stops the puck and he stops the puck good from places where he might not stop the puck good. So I'll, I'll take that risk, but maybe not in the first round, even though I have him ranked there, but like second round, sure. Why not? If you get a goalie that saves, could save your job. Bjarnason, the data just isn't as good. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know enough about goalies to be definitive on that. Uh, thoughts on Philip Blaze, Blaze, I don't know. I don't know who that is, unless it's a joke. If it's a joke, you're banned. Oh no. Okay, so he's real. Uh, I have not looked, but I will check him out. Thoughts on Molnar and his move to Erie? Well, he's running from the long arm of the Slovakian law, am I right? Uh, yeah, but, um... I watched the first game he played with Erie, and he was bad. He wasn't bad in certain moments, but he was bad. Um, I haven't watched him since, but I am excited to watch him with Erie. I'll, I'll start probably the next game I track of him will be with Erie. Um, we'll see what happens. But he had some really bad moments in the game I watched, but he also had some really good ones. I, I'm excited to see what he can do. Thoughts on Amadeus Lombardi? I like Lombardi. He's a fun guy. He's a good straight line skater. He's got some good skill, very creative in the offensive zone. Um, you know, I don't know. He's already going to be an AHLer next year, but I like him. I think he's perfectly fine. Um, you know, he's a really good OHL guy this year. You know, again, fast north, fast north skating direction guy. Um, pretty good skill under pressure, reads pressure pretty well, and finds creative ways to manage it and make a play. We'll see how it goes. Promising. How long do you think the cap until the cap reaches 80? How long do you think it'll be until the cap reaches a hundred million dollars? It's at 82 and a half right now. Well, uh, probably not for a while. That's, that's a 17 ish million dollar increase. I mean, with the new TV deal that's rumored out there, maybe there's more coming. Um, but I don't know. Uh, the players owe the owners a lot of money still. Um, I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. I don't, I don't know. I'm not a financial projection guy, but I don't know about four to five years. I feel like that's a little optimistic. That's an increase of like $4 million a year, three to $4 million a year, which seems optimistic. Usually the cap increases like two ish million a year. And that's af and that's before a global pandemic that, you know, put the owners or the players tremendously in debt to the owners. Uh, Thoughts on Timur Mukhanov? I love him. Uh, Mukhanov is fast. He's skilled. Um, you know, he he is sometimes trying to do too much in the VHL, but his ability to just turn pucks over, get moving up the ice, and move it to line mates and, and get moving is just really, really impressive. He's a great shooter. Um, you know, he's a dual-threat offensive guy. Uh, yeah, he doesn't have the production that Mitchkov does, but I don't think he's playing on the power play with his team. His team is also very young. Um, Omsky Krilia is one of the youngest teams in the VHL. They basically use it as a junior team feeder for their KHL team. Um, you know, he worked his bum off to earn a job in the VHL starting the year in the MHL and, and just looked way too good for that level from what I saw him. Um, a really talented player who I think brings a ton of pace, a ton of skating speed, 
uh, a ton of skill and I think will just get better and better the more you believe in him. Um, maybe not a center at the next level like he's listed for me, but uh, a good, a good energetic winger that, yeah, he's small, but I don't really care that much. Just get stronger, get quicker, you know, hit that next level. And if you get him in like the fourth or fifth round, because no one's really talking about him, uh, that's a pretty good player to stash in Russia for a while. Um, yeah. Thoughts on the movie Jack Frost. Love it. I love it. Michael Keaton as a snowman. Incredible. Underrated Christmas movie. Uh, my favorite tradition is watching the trailer park boys Christmas special. That is true. That is a very good one as well. Um, long time listener, first time caller. Oh, hello Brown. What's going on? Please just tell me again how, even if the sharks draft out of the top five, they'll get a good player. Uh, well, I would say that any of the top 25 to yeah. Any of the top 25 guys on my list, I'm really excited to get from Caden price and Martin Mishiak and Otto Stenberg, all the way up to Connor Bedard, Adam Fantilli, Leo Carlson. They're all good players. I think, um, they'll all fit a good role you know, it's, it's, you, you might not get like an absolutely dominant game breaking talent. If you draft outside, I'd say the top five to seven, if things go really well, but boy, I mean, if things go really well and you have a guy like Oliver Moore in your system or even an Edward Chalet or, uh, or Gavin Brindley, um, there might be something there, you know, Luca Cagnoni, uh, those are all good options, but if the Sharks, you know, are drafting really high, I mean, my back half of the top 10 looks quite different from the average. I've got Will Smith in there, which is above average. I've got Sandy and Pelica, which is way ahead of where everyone else has him. Uh, I am really high on Simashev, and he's higher than most people have him. I I really like Simashev, and I feel like in San Jose, they would really like him based on how David Quinn likes his guys to play. Like, if you like Ryan Lindgren-type defenseman, but, like, with some skill and some offensive potential, then yeah, Simashev would be a great, a great guy. Um, I went to the Canada of Slovakia game last night. It was fun. Good. That's always good to hear. I've I wanted, I wish I were there. Uh, thoughts on Tanner Adams. Uh, I think he's a small guy who has small guy problems. He's not super quick, not super skilled, but he's a real aggressive boy. He's, he, he tries really hard. Um, you know, he does have a bit of skill. Like he, that's kind of where he drives a lot of his results, but the, the pace of his game is pretty low. He's not very physically strong and gets pushed around a little bit. And I don't know. I, I, I pulled him off my list, even though he's very, very young, uh, which I might regret. Um, but he's a good, he's a good tenacious guy who just, I think needs to work on his skating quite a bit. And, and, you know, to make it work that small, you got to really be able to move. And I just don't think he's there yet. Uh, where do you have Cam Allen now? Where do you expect him to be drafted? I mean, I expect him to go in the first round. I mean, it's it's hard to convince people that the player that everybody said was the best player in the draft or the best defenseman in the draft is actually like a second pro, a second round prospect. He might not even be there for me. Um, yeah, he's in my third round. And again, it's similar to Mitchkov. I'm putting him where I think he belongs and I'm going to let the rest of the year prove me wrong, right? Like, here's my expectations. If I am wrong, move him up. But he's a player who I have sat back and watched and gone, wow, that was not that that was not an ideal defensive play. That was another not ideal defensive play. But when he moves, uh, when he moves up the ice in a straight line and attacks guys with skill, you can see it, and he shoots pretty good. But I don't know. I I just see a lot more refined defensemen ahead of him. Uh, maybe I have him too low. I probably do. 
Um, but, but for me, when I watch him for the rest of the year, it's going to be look. if I'm wrong, then I'll shoot him up my board a hundred percent. Um, but a lot of the guys ahead of him, I just would take over him. And, and when I try to convince myself that I'm not, when I try to convince myself that I'm wrong, it kind of freaks me out. But then I go, yeah, but th- the feelings I had while watching him, I'm going, I just don't really, I just don't really see it with him. Uh, thoughts on Hugo Leon and Joel Svensson. I, I like Leon a little bit. He's fast and, and again, tenacious. He's aggressive. I've got a game of him to track. Actually, I've been procrastinating it for a while. Svensson is kind of a guy to me. Like I, I, I did a game of him and watched a bit of him. I kind of like him. He's decent, but I just feel like, again, it's, I set my bar really high, right? Like as a, as a, as an evaluator over time, you sort of start to set your bar really high. Both of these guys, I think suit good roles where they're at. I think they could be good SHO players, maybe, especially Leon. But Svensson, I think, has, you know, there's just nothing about him that I would really put my name behind. Is like, this is why I'm drafting him. Like, this is it. And I, I just don't know. Uh, do you think Mitchkov being loaned to the worst KHL team is good or bad for his development and draft stock? Well, if, as long as he plays minutes, that's all I care about. I just want him to see him play minutes. Um, and it's a young team. The K, the Sochi team in the KHL just takes the scraps from everybody else's youth programs and goes, you want to play in the KHL? Cause you can, and it doesn't work in terms of winning, but they do have some fun guys on their team that are young and, and they don't win, but you know, he'll play a lot of minutes, I would think. And, and we'll see how it goes. How good is the check under 20 league? Not great. Adam Dieball, the goalie seems to be dominant. Yes. The check under 20 league is really questionable. Um, some teams are extraordinarily good relative to the others. Um, I always have a hard time with it, but it's not the worst place to play hockey at all. It's it's a decent one. Uh, we'll see how it goes. I, I do have D- die ball on a list to check out, but again, I'm not a huge goalie uh, guy. Um, are Swedes typically more physical than Finns? Well, it depends. I mean, the Finns, the Finns will play you hard, right? Like they'll, they'll, they give out maximum effort. But there are some Swedes that really sort of throw their weight around. Bonsoir, Jeremy. Happy to see you liking Oliver Moore a bit more. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I was wondering, what do you see in Jaden Perron that can compensate for his lack of size? Insane amounts of pace, insane amounts of work rate off the puck. Uh, really, really good skill that he applies in ways that can create gaps between himself and opponents. He stops up at the blue line and and can stop and start really quickly and find uh, find outlets and routes and stuff. I, I really like Jane Perron and if his skating can continue to improve and, and he just becomes that high, high end, high pace guy, I think he's going to be just fine. Um, you know, the lack of size, you know, if he, if he was more like William Volin, William Volinder, William, if he was more like William Whitelaw, sort of skating himself into trouble a lot, taking on way too much risk and, and just not really having the problem solving ability to solve it and, and really sort of playing an individualistic, I'm going to do what I want style game. I'd be a little more concerned, but Perron's ability to thread passes around traffic and, and all that stuff is, is I, is something I really, really like out of uh, what I really like out of watching him. Whose skating is the most painful to watch. Oof. I don't like answering that question. I'm going to, uh, all around <laughs> just in general, <laughs> Uh, and I mean, I don't know. I, 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 these guys are all better skaters than me. So I have to be very careful about how I put it. Um, I'm not, I don't know. Daniil boot comes to mind. He's very clunky, but when he gets moving with his crossovers and ability to drive speed with his crossovers is very good, but skating from a standing start 
is clunky and weird and I don't like watching it. But I like Daniel Boot. He's a fun player and I think in like five years he could be a heck of a power skill winger. Um, I also think Mitchkov being unable to play in the World Junior in similar events isn't helping his draft stock. That is true. That, that is true. Uh, love or hate aggressive goalie poke checks? I love them. They're, 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 they're insane. So I'm, I like it. I, I like, I like unhinged behavior. And so there, um, could you please upload the live streams to Spotify? Yeah, I, they should be up on Spotify. I think they are. If not, I'll look into it, but I upload them through anchor, which is run by Spotify. Um, so they should be there. I think I even upload them in video format too, if that's what you want too, but I'm pretty sure they do. I'll look into it, but I, yeah, I'll, I'll get that organized. If you only focus on five on five, would someone who gets all their points on the power play like Mike Hoffman be on the do not draft list? Well, no, not do not draft, but they're going to be lower on the list, right? Like, cause five on five is the dominant situation where you play in, in, in a hockey game, right? Most of the time you're playing five on five minutes or at least even strength. So if I have a guy who his best trait is standing in a face-off circle and clapping bombs all night, is that a first round talent, for example? Well, no. Second round? Sure, maybe. But there's other guys that I would take a chance on to perform that role or to perform a role that is more important at five on five and worry about the guy, you know, especially guys who can drive results at five on five and then you put them on the power play as the guy clapping bombs from the face-off circle. Like, why do you, why focus on one high in the draft when you could maybe find a guy who does both? That's, that's mostly where I'm coming from with that. Why should I be looking, what should I be looking out for in Sandin Pelica? I've heard his name a lot and haven't got a chance to see him yet. Sublime levels of skill, uh, really great footwork, especially in the offensive zone, uh, a really good ability to make reads and execute on his passes. He's one of the strongest passers I've tracked this year, just in terms of using his skill to pull pucks around guys and, and fire pucks into, into the waiting arms of his teammates. Um, you know, a pretty decent shot from the point, but the big thing is how he plays with the puck on his stick and how he moves his feet and how he combines that with his hands to just drive a lot of offensive results. He needs to bring that defensively a little more. His defensive game is very passive and relies a lot on stick checks, especially on defensive entries and he can get eaten alive a little bit. Um, but again, he's playing in the SHL as a defenseman. That's not easy to do. Um, but I think a lot of it comes down to how he plays with the puck on his stick and the skill and deception and, 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 and consistency with which he's moving the puck around the ice. That that's really impressive. Um, have you watched any of the world junior pre-tournament tournament games? No, I have not. Uh, do you think we'll see a JJ Paterka drafted in the second round this year? Yeah. I mean, there's always really energetic, good players that go later than they should. Martin Mishak is probably the closest thing that just jumps off the page to me as JJ Paterka, I would say. Uh, why are the Predators so mediocre? Because they have mediocre players. I don't know. Uh, a lot of the depth of that team, from what I've seen, is just very mediocre. They used to have one of the strongest group of defensemen in the entire league. Now they do not. Uh, they used to have quite a lot of depth up front, but now they do not. And the guys they've brought in, you know, the, the Predators, culturally, I think, try to walk this weird line of like, yeah, we've got a bit of skill on our team, but like, that's just our skill guys. Everyone else needs to be annoying, physical guys who have trouble driving offense in the NHL, right? Like that seems to be the dichotomy that they have on their team. And I feel like in the NHL these days, that kind of strategy just does not work, right? Like look at the Philadelphia Flyers right now. 
They are actively trying to be a tough team to play against. They want to be meaner. And I just think that in the NHL these days, like you can't chase that. You can't, you can't make that your guiding principle for like any line on the ice because they'll just get eaten alive. Right. Look at, look at how Toronto is built. For example, their, their bottom six has guys like Alex Kerfoot, uh, maybe not right now, but Pierre Engvall, Callie Yarncroke, David Camp, like these are guys who can play, right? They have a bit of skill. They have tenacity. They're intense. They're, they're physical. They're good stick checkers, but that's not that their, their identity isn't just that they can actually make plays. They can actually skate with the puck. They can actually move the puck. So missing out on that in, in favor of going, well, we're going to play these guys because they just play hard um, and, and, and play physical. It's like, well, yeah, like, but then what happens when you get the puck? And if they, you know, it, it just seems to me the predators have, have walked this line of having some guys on their team that are very, very talented offensive players, but then their depth is very sort of, eh. And when UC Sorrels isn't saving every puck and the defense group in front of them is just not as good as they used to be. It's just a formula for a team in, in a bit of a decline. Um, I can't give you an opinion on Jonathan Kovacevic, honestly. I have not watched much of the Habs at all this year. How would you decide between drafting Simashev and Gulyayev? Uh, I lean Simashev, but if I was, uh, you know, doing a bunch of cocaine on the draft table, uh, then maybe I would lean Gulyayev just because that guy plays like a fire is lit under his bottom uh, some of the time. And if you can bring that to to his defensive game and have him be a little bit more aware of the ice and read the ice a little bit better and calm things down sometimes, I think you could end up with a great offensive defender. Like, I'm trying to think of another defender who is as quick as he is from the hop and getting moving in the offensive direction with the skill that he's got, like, with the defensive shortcomings. And, like, Morgan Riley comes to mind, like a guy who really knows how to carry the puck up the ice for sure. And it's hard to catch up with when he gets his feet really moving, but when he doesn't have the puck and he's faced with pressure coming his way, it just might not be nearly as good. So you, t- you have a give and take player. Whereas with Simashev, you know, I mean, I don't know. I, I hate to throw the name out there, but like you see a bit of like a Moritz Sider there where there's mobility, physical play, really brilliant defensive play. The production's not necessarily there. He scored a point today, which is nice but the production's not necessarily there, but you see the flashes, right? Like there's skill and deception. I've seen him do spinoramas in the, in the MHL, I think over the years, like just, just stepping up from the blue line, spinning off pressure and challenging opponents deeper in the offensive zone and, and stuff that you're like, well, you're six foot four and like 200 pounds. You shouldn't be doing that, but okay, go off bud. And it works. Um, so I kind of lean Simashev, but I don't know. I, I like both a lot. They're both, pretty impressive hockey players did anything in your crystal ball come close to predicting what tage thompson has become no and anyone who says that they did uh they're lying like i don't i don't know uh it's been incredible to see what he's been able to pull off uh for sure um but yeah i don't know it's weird it's and it's funny now how he is the new thing of like what people are looking for he's like such an it's 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 he's such a crazy outlier for you know figuring things out when you're in your mid twenties. Like he's such a crazy outlier for that, that it's like almost too enticing. And it's like, Oh, see, like maybe the big kids can, 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 can do it right. Like maybe they'll figure it out eventually, 
But, I mean, I remember Tage Thompson when he was draft eligible, barely, but I do remember, and I thought his hands were great for a guy his size. Like, that's what I came away with was, like, the hands are great. The rest is a problem, but the hands are great. Like, there's a reason he scored so much in his draft eligible season. I don't, I don't know what's going on there, but from my outsider's perspective, and if there's any St. Louis Blues fans in here, they can tell me I'm wrong, 100%. But I get the feeling that the Blues are an organization that might want their bigger draft picks. They tend to lean that way anyway, like bigger physical guys. But they might want to take those guys and make, you know, have them be physical, intense players first. And the offense comes after that. Whereas Tage Thompson was a player who led with the offense and finesse for a big kid, but they saw the size and the and the skill package and said, okay, but we need to fill you out defensively and and get you better physically and playing more of that style of game and the offense will just will get there when it gets there and then he just kind of got all out of whack goes to buffalo when things are terrible never really gets fixed and now maybe he's just you know they just sat down in the off season and were like look let's just go back to when you were really productive and see what was working for you and try to rebuild things here because like it's not like he was bad forever right like when he was a draft eligible he was in college he was performing very well it just hasn't really gone that way uh and i get the feeling that the sort of organizational culture and what the type of, and seeing who st louis has drafted over the years might have been a bit of friction and then going to buffalo when things were bad didn't really help but I never in a bazillion years would have thought that this would be the turnaround that we see out of him. Uh, is Denver Barkey generational? If, if, if so, why, if not, why not is what is he good and not so good at? I mean, he's not generational. Um, he's, he's small. Uh, he kind of reminds me a little bit of William Whitelaw, but just not as much speed in his game. Um, really high skill guy, tenacious dude at both ends too. Um, shifty and deceptive he can make a play offensively especially sort of cutting in off the blue line um you know I, I i like him and i think that considering he wasn't even invited to the top prospects game you might be able to snag him later in the draft than you think and i would easily take a chance on him um you know but but he's a high skill high flying guy who has who challenges guys really intensively um and he's yeah he's i i dig it i'm i'm a big fan um any thoughts on the Yurgarden boys so far in their draft plus one years? I haven't seen a tremendous amount of them, but Ogren and Osland at least have been very, very good. Um I'm not I mean Lakaramaki, I think there's some growing pains there. I don't know what's going on, but he just kinda hasn't really looked quite the same. But Ogren and Osland I think have looked really, really good this year. Um I mean not to say Lakaramaki's been bad. Let's just put that out there. He hasn't been bad. And I imagine at the World Juniors, the three of them are going to have a lot of fun. Um, but I, I just, from the games I've seen, Ogren and Osland have looked, you know, Osland looks a little more confident and a little bit more uh, comfortable playing against men. And Ogren, I think, just projects really, really well to that level already. Uh... Hey, will I finally be able to catch a stream and tell you that I love you for loving Carly Rae Jepsen? <laughs> What's your fave song by her? Okay, well, let's not get too carried away. I'm not like a super fan of Carly Rae Jepsen. I'm not super familiar with her uh, with her catalog. However, the music that I have heard of her, I can't name you, I don't know. The music I've heard of Carly Rae Jepsen always strikes the right chord to steal a bad pun. 
Uh, thoughts on Sage Weinstein and uh, I forget the guy's first name, Dej, D-E-J. I've only seen Weinstein very briefly and I don't have him ranked. I think he's a fine physical defender, but I will take a look at him before too long. I have a game of him that I've had literally since October that I haven't looked at. So I'll do that um, and uh, and check out more tape because I'm not, I can't give you a good read on Weinstein. What three players from this year's draft would you pick to play in a 3v3 league? Uh, Crystal, Bedard, Crystal, Bedard, Gulyayev. That's it. Um, I've heard criticism of Bedard's playmaking as basic against stronger levels of competition. Is this a valid criticism or is that people looking to poke holes in his game? I don't know. I mean, again, it depends on what you mean by basic, right? Like basic can be good. Why does it need to be complicated, right? Um, I mean, frankly, I find it hard to look at a guy who has 37 assists in 28 games and go, yeah, with with the supporting cast he's got that, oh yeah, your playmaking isn't very good. Um, you know, I want to, I, I'll be very curious to see what his play in, in the world junior looks like. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I remember him at the world junior last year or in the summer, I should say, and he seemed to be perfectly fine hitting outlet passes and, and, and making plays and playing off the boards. And I don't know. He seems perfectly fine. I don't know. I, I, I have other things in his game that I think I could criticize. I think that a problem is that he doesn't see the basic passing options that often with Regina. But also, again, it goes back to the fact that clearly with Regina, they're going to him and going, yeah, just do whatever you want, bud. We're not, we're not going to hold you back. Just just give him, give Connor the puck and hold on for dear life because he's going to do stuff. Uh, Oliver Moore, NHL comparison and potential. I can't do that for you. I don't know. Uh, whoever in the NHL has really good hands um, can skate all over the ice and, and, and drive rushes that way. And, and uses his hands to create passing lanes and, and, and give himself new options. He's really, really good at that. I don't know how much Sharks hockey you've watched this year. Not much at all. But Quinn's system seems to be super aggressive, fast-paced, and offensive-oriented one that creates interesting hockey. That is not what I expected out of David Quinn, for sure. Uh, I know the Sharks are keeping kids in the AHL for development this year, but when but when they do come up and if he doesn't kill them, would it be a David Quinn redemption arc? I think so. I mean, I, I didn't know that about them, uh, for sure. But, yeah, I mean you know, it, it just goes to show, right? Like if you have cohesion of what your strategy will be, then yeah, it could really work out. So yeah, I mean, sometimes this happens, but, but I, I don't know. I, again, with, with someone like David Quinn, like just because something doesn't work out with the Rangers or whatever, like another team, I get it. You're going to give the guy a chance, uh, to try something new. Maybe he and Mike Greer are, they, they get along philosophically a lot more than he did with Glenn Sather or, um, Jeff Norton, Jeff, Jeff Gordon, Jeff Norton, uh, with Jeff Gordon or something over there. Like maybe, maybe he was a bit at odds with what they wanted to do. Um, and now that he's with Mike Greer, there's just more synergy and, and, a, and a better understanding and, and a better understanding of, you know, the San Jose Sharks, you know, they changed their general manager, they changed their head coach, but the it seems like this auxiliary staff is still quite similar from what I can tell, I think. And so, you know, they had some smart people working there. And so maybe there's a bit of like, we're going to listen to the, to the people that have already been here and know what we've got and, and we'll work around what they think and want and, and we'll deal with it. I don't know. Um, but I, I love when people do well. If, if a coach falters in one place and goes somewhere new and everyone's like, oh my God, this is going to be a disaster. And it turns out to be really good. I love when that happens. That's great. Um, 
it's 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 a big reason why you know i i always just sort of when things happen where people are flaming things about them having happened i'm going let's see i don't know let's see i have seen crazy trades that look really really lopsided happen and they turn out to not be that crazy and maybe that comes down to luck um but i don't know uh do who do you think who do who do you what who do you will and who do you think should go fourth overall after Bedard? Oh, who do I think and who should go fourth after all after Bedard, Fantilli, Michkov? I'd say Leo Carlson. For, that's the answer for both. Um, <laughs> has long-term exposure to Pete DeBoer give me Stockholm Syndrome? I can't answer that. Sorry, man. I don't know. Uh, maybe you need to cool it on the on the on the sharks obsession as much as i as much as i respect your sharks fandom uh this might be good to sort of sit back for a while and and chill if you want to overcome stockholm syndrome but i trust your opinion that uh that things look a little different in san jose well the ducks three pete the world junior championship mvp can't wait to watch zellweger again perhaps it's possible i mean zellweger could be a great player in this tournament um we'll see how it goes but i feel like Connor bedard is gonna really He's going to need to do a lot to not be in the conversation, I think. Should Lucas Dragasevich be a forward? Maybe. I think that's a better... Ex- I, I think, considering how much how he plays defensively, I don't think that that's the craziest idea I have ever heard. Um, what European hockey club and venue would you most want to watch live? Ooh, God. Ideal hockey trip. Um, yeah, uh, I would love to do... I mean, I would love to do a, a trip going to different European cities that play with players that I want to watch for the draft in it. Right. So for example, this year, um, like Brno in the Czech Republic going or Czechia, I should say, go to Brno and see Edward Chalet, um, and then go to, well, maybe I wouldn't go to Russia these days. Um, but go to like, um, Piteo and see Axel Sandin Pelika play for Sheleftia. Uh, go to, um, you know, I think Nova Zamki is an actual place in Slovakia. Go there and see Martin Mishak or uh, uh, go. I can't remember where AIK plays, but go there and see Dalibor Dvorsky. But I also, I also, I would love to go to a game in a city like Bolzano in Italy where fans are friggin' nuts. Like you, you think, oh, like Poland doesn't really play hockey. Like Italy doesn't really play hockey. No, 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 no. The fans who go to those games are insane. The fans who uh, were at the world, uh, no, it was the world championships division one, a tournament where the British got promoted to the top division. They were notorious. They were crazy in that arena. I think the tournament was in Hungary. Uh, it was, it was insane. So yeah, uh, there was, uh, the, the, I would love to do something like that. I'd love to go to, I mean, every European rank that I've, you know, pro team that I've watched, the 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 environment is amazing and they do it way better than we do it in north america they're nuts um so yeah i would love to go to an arena that has the old school bleachers in the upper deck where you don't have seats and you just stand and hold on to a bar but they're stacked really close together so you have this like wall of human beings watching hockey i'm all down for that i want to do that um what do we got what do we got oh my goodness this is in the uh, uh where are we here? Uh, what do you think of Dylan Duke's jump in production this year? Is he that good at moving up the depth chart? Or is it more because the big talent he's playing with the top is not at the top of University of Michigan's lineup? I think it's both. 
Um, he always was playing less minutes last year than I would have liked. Um, but I didn't really have any concerns about him being a good college player. Like that guy's hungry AF for the hockey puck. And, uh, you love to see it. I'm, I'm happy for him. I'm looking forward to seeing him at the world junior. How do Jaeger and White Claw compare and differ from Jacob Perot, Jimmy Snuggerud, and Dylan Gunther? Um, I see a little bit more of maybe a Snuggerud out of Jaeger, like a good shooter, you know, maybe a, maybe not as skilled, um, but similar sort of defensive issues and pace issues, but a great shooter. Uh, Gunther, I don't really see Gunther or Perot in terms of White Law. I mean, White Law... White Law is either going to work out and be tremendous or he's going to be a good AHL player. Like, there is no in-between, I don't think. Like, you send him to Wisconsin and hope that Tony Granato like, handles him and lets him try things and make mistakes for, like, three years. You just leave him in college. And if, you know, look, you send him to, if you send him to Wisconsin and he scores 50 points next year, you still leave him there just to make sure that, that his, he's physically developed enough and that he's mentally ready because... The things that he's doing this year, you see some unbelievable moments out of him, but then you see three moments where you're like, what is happening? Like you want to pull your brain out of your skull. Um, but the skill level and the pace in his game is just amazing. Uh, and I, I love to watch him, but it's just, there's refinements that I think he needs to, to make, but I, I don't know. I'd be happy to add him to my stable. Um, and I don't think either really remind me much of, of Perot or, or Gunther. Uh, Aiden Fink thoughts. Fun to watch, skilled, scoring a ton in the AJHL, but I don't know. I just I'm not I'm not totally sold that his 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 mobility and and speed offensively is is good enough right now, and and the skill level is okay, but also not sure it moves the needle. Like if he were playing in the WHL, I feel like he'd be an okay skill first guy, like a Matthew Ward, where I might see some issues projecting him to the NHL, but he can still score. I don't know. I, I, I still need to watch more Aiden Fink, but I've watched a couple of games and tracked a couple of games and he's just been kind of okay. You mentioned Lindbaum is your world juniors all-star goalie. Why is that? Is it because he's performed against men or is there something more there? Well, I think if the Swedes go really far, he's going to be a big part of why. Um, and yeah, he is playing against men and performing very well. I mean, the, the, your garden, I think are the second are the lowest rate of goals against in the league there. Um, and they've got a pretty young team. Um, so I don't know. I, I feel like, uh, if they make it really far, like, and I also go through the teams, right? Like Ben Goudreau. I mean, that's the easy answer. If Canada just steamrolls their way to a gold medal, if Ben Goudreau's the one in net there, but like, I don't see any indication that he's going to be this like incredible lights out goaltender considering he's facing 27 shots a night with Sarnia and allowing almost four goals a night. Um, Sweden, I mean, yeah, Carl Lindbaum, he's playing against men and performing very well. Trey Augustine could light it up. I really like Trey Augustine and I feel like maybe he could be a guy that threatens it, but like in Finland, Coco, Koskinvuo and Lampanen, like none of these guys give you a tremendous amount of promise in my opinion. I think Thomas Sachanik is a go- is a is a go- uh, uh, is a is a dark horse kind of guy like a Benjamin Kahn's was b- years ago for winning best goalie. Like I think he could carry the checks pretty far, and 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 he's pretty good with Tri City considering what they subject him to on a night on a nightly basis. Slovakia, I don't think is much of a threat goalie wise. Latvia, Switzerland, Germany, and Austria. I mean, if Germany somehow manages to find their way to the quarterfinals and holds Canada to like 3-1 facing 70 shots, then maybe Nikita Kwap is in there, but I doubt that. Um, 
So it just, it's by process of elimination really of like, well, you might do the easy thing and just give it to the goalie on the gold medal winning team, which might be Canada. And that might just be Ben Goudreau. But I look at it and go, I like the goalies that like carry their team and perform extremely well. And I feel like that could be Lindbaum. Uh, where would the top three 2023 prospects rank in the last three drafts? Bedard and Fantilli first overall in each. Uh, yes, I would say Bedard and Fantilli first overall in each. How high would Carlson, Mitchkov, and Benson go in 2021 and 22? So I would take probably at least Carlson and Benson ahead of, well, definitely Carlson ahead of Slavkovsky last year. Um, maybe over... I would take him over Owen Power, but maybe not over Matty Beniers, who was my number one last that year in 2021. In 2020, it was Lafreniere. Yeah, I probably would take Carlson over Lafreniere, but it'd be close. Um, yeah. If a team is desperate for centers and gets the number one pick, do you think it's worth taking Fantilli over Bedard? Probably not. I think it's a discussion, but I would just take the guy who scores points and try to get a center. It's, you know, try to get a center somewhere else. Even in free agency, it's like, hey, we just got Connor Bedard. Do you want to play center for Connor Bedard? Come on. It'll be fun. Like, that to me is a pretty easy sell to a free agent um, rather than, you know, taking a guy who's a year younger or a year older, you know, not necessarily as skilled or quick. But I do think there's, you know, I think there's an argument between the two of them, but Bedard takes the cake, I think. Thoughts on Kevin Korchinski? I remember you said you think he'll be a decent middle-pairing defenseman, but the hope here in Chicago seems to be he's a number one defenseman. Look, I get it. You're in Chicago. Like, they just drafted the guy top 10. They You want all your top picks to be number one defenseman. You want all your top picks to be top-line forwards. But top pair minutes in the NHL is really hard. It's a really high bar. Uh, like, I don't know. I think Kevin Korchinski could become a number one, like offensive role defenseman, like top pair, you know, quarterback. But in terms of his defensive play, that was where I sort of got lost a little bit with Korchinski. Um, and I, I think, you know, look, he's playing on a dominant team in the WHL right now. Like he should be over a point per game. He's playing very, very well. Like I can't knock him. He's a very talented player. Uh, and I, 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 I mean, I think he'll be a good guy to have on your team, right? Like I think in terms of offensive tools, yeah, I think he could be right up there with some of the best players on your team and play top pair minutes perhaps. Um, but that's a really high bar for a good NHL team. That's a really high bar. I think he could get there, especially with the skating and skill level that he's got, especially skating up the ice as an offensive guy. But defensemen also need to play defense. And I feel like that's been the chat. That's going to be the challenge for him that I, again, I it's not impossible, but I say this all the time. I set my bar low, right? Like I, I go, the NHL is up here. So if you want to get up here, it's, a, I'm not anointing that you're going to get up there. It's, you know, it's still a bit of a climb, right? Like there's going to be lessons to learn. There's going to be situations that are going to be tough, but if he becomes a top pair defenseman, great. It'd be great. Um, you know, I didn't have him that much ranked that much further back from where Chicago took him. Um, and there are tools that definitely were up there. Uh, but yeah, he's been very good this year. Um, Cataford thoughts have not watched him in a while. So I'll, I'll make note. I'll make a note. I'll write him down to check him out again. Cause it's been a very long time. Um, I do know that with Cataford, he's probably one of the only Q guys that I'm really interested in this year. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll check him out. I'll check him out. Cause it's been a while. 
no, no, no. Reports are the Oilers are interested in Gavrikov on Columbus. The asking price is a first and a third. Are there any potential top four defensemen Columbus might draft with that late first? Whoa. Okay. So they really want a guy like Gavrikov. Okay. Um, are there any potential top four defensemen Columbus might want to draft with a late first? Caden Price. That would be a fun one. You could stash him in, you know, I, I really like Caden Price's potential. It's just capturing him at his best. That's been really tough, but he's really young and you give him some time. I think he could be a great top four defenseman. Uh, if Kenyoni's available, that could be another really, really good option. If he's there in the late first Tanner Melendic would be a really fun option. I think he might be able to get him a little later, but he skates extremely well. He's a pretty good passer. He does a lot of things pretty well. Um, and I think Melendic could be on that, on that list as well. Uh, not a question, but Eric Carlson has the same number of even strength points as Connor McDavid and is third in the league. That's a pretty, that's pretty cool. There have been rumors that Montreal is trying to acquire Devin Levi from the Savers. Thoughts on Levi and what you think it would cost to acquire him? Again, I'm not much of a goalie guy, but I will also say that uh, he's playing with St. Cloud State. I don't know. Point is, I always reserve judgment for goalies, especially coming out of the NCAA that aren't playing in like the big 10. It's just, I don't know. I think he'll be fine. I think Levi would be worth acquiring. It depends on the cost. If, if C, if Sabre, if the Sabres want to move on and trade him, I don't, I can see why, why he might not want to be with the Sabres right now. Same thing with Portillo, but I don't know. Um, what do I think it would cost? It's just so hard, right? You don't you're 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 basically speculating, right? Cuz he isn't playing in the hardest le- level of the NCAA. Uh I believe um you know, but if you can, you know, he was a 7th round draft pick. Like if you if, if it's a prospect for prospect swap, you know, like if there's a I don't know, maybe you trade like an Emil Haneman or something, a guy who's in Sweden who might be like a middle six guy for you one day and maybe him and a a pick or something like Montreal has the pieces to make a deal work if they want Devin Levi. And I could see the role for him and I could see why they want him. Um, but the problem is he's a goalie. Goalies are unproven and they are very noisy. Um, and goalies also like coming from the NCAA, like it can be hit or miss, but he's stopped so many friggin' pucks that I don't think I really care. How does the value of first round trade deadline picks in 2023 compare to those uh, of value of those picks in tw- previous drafts? Essentially, how good is the depth at the back end of the first round? I really like it. I I I think uh, I think it's a really good draft, and I think that this is a year where you probably want to keep your first round pick. But you know, it, 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 even if you like the way I would play it is if I'm a, a negotiating team and it's like, well, I want your first round draft pick, and they go, ah, I don't want to give you that. I sit there and go, okay, but you know. If you had two second rounders, I would, or a second and a third, let's do that maybe because I don't, you know, or two seconds like this year and next year or, or some sort of combination of that to make it work. Uh, maybe that would be a thing. And, and number one, this year in the second round, I think there's going to be a lot of really good players that you could still snag. And, and number two, if you get next year's second round draft pick, there's a lot of players usually who, if you just keep things simple and just draft who should be gone by now, um, you get you get you get a a decent second rounder next year. Like Logan Stankoven was a second rounder last year, for example, or two years ago was it? I don't even remember. La- in twenty twenty one, and there's always guys like that that could slip through the cracks. Um, can we hear your muse impression? What like the the band? I'm not doing that. You don't want to hear my Matthew Bellamy impression at all. 
Have we seen a fan base try to paint a prospect they didn't draft with character issues as much as Hab fans have tried with Shane Wright? I don't know. I, I the more and more time goes on, the less and less I'm trying to use Twitter. So I try to stay away from that stuff. And Reddit's also bad. Uh, thoughts on Jakob Dvorak? Every time I watch him, he seems to be a very awkward skater. But I also feel like with development, he could be a player. Yeah, I mean, I actually kind of like how he gets around the ice. He's not he's not super fluid all the time, but he's got some speed for a big man. And yeah, I think with development, he could certainly be a good player. Um, I'll be very interested to see him at the U18s because I think his offensive muscles could maybe come out a little more because I've seen some decent puck movement out of him and some deception, but he just doesn't hasn't put it all together quite yet. Uh, elite prospects discussed or released their 20 top 32 ranking discussion on YouTube. Do you listen to that kind of content to hear different opinions? Absolutely. I watch every single one. I haven't watched this one yet, but I will. Um, I've, I've, I've skipped, I've skimmed through some of it. Um, but I haven't listened to the whole thing, but I definitely do. You know, I, I don't agree with everything they say, and I'm sure they definitely don't agree with a lot of what I say. And that's fine, right? Like the idea is to have like a dialogue and, and, and be able to sort of be playing the same game right like talking in the same language and you know the things that individuals value might be different between people you know this is just a game right like at the end of the day this is just a game you know there, there's no such thing as just this player is better than this player right like it's why i hate these like top 50 lists or whatever these top 100 prospect lists because it's like it's not it's what are you trying to get out of this? Right. And, and all it does is it makes people yell and scream, but you know, I, I look at the team at elite prospects. I have a lot of respect for how they do their work. I, again, I don't agree with everything, but that's fine. It's no disrespect. I know they do the work, right? Like Mitch, I know busts his bum doing all of the tracking. I know Lassie Allen as well, quite well. He, he really works his tail off. David St. Louis is really passionate and really works his tail off as well. Dylan Griffin watches some of the, God bless that boy for watching so many Russians every year. I just don't understand how he does it, but good on you, bud. Um, but yeah, I mean, I definitely do. And, and I love to hear different opinions and I think it's a good format because you get to hear them discuss things, um, and, and put their chips on the table, right? I do this every week, right? Like you get to ask me questions and I, you, you guys can challenge me on things and you know, I can look back in the future and go, yep, like, Here's how things have changed. Here's where I missed on guys like I've done with the guy like Caden Gooley this year to this point. Um, so yeah, it's important to do and and I I have a lot of time for it. Uh, Canucks fans are fuming. Lots are saying the team sucks, has no cap space and nothing of value in the system. Do you agree that there's nothing in their pipeline to host to hope for, not including this coming draft? Uh, it's not great. Um, it's not great. It's not bad, but it's not great. Um, there is problems with the cap. Yes. Uh, there are going to be problems with the cap because I don't know how you're going to move JT Miller. I don't know how you're going to move Oliver Ekman Larson. I don't know how, I don't know what's going to happen, but, uh, <clears throat> it is, uh, it's rough. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks are in a tough spot. They've got expensive contracts for a few years that they don't really need. They've got, uh, their captain is looking like they're going to have to trade him because they signed the wrong guy in the off season. Um, and you know, the thing about a rebuild is you have to have guys already there that have been there a while that want to be there and help, help bring the young guys you're bringing in along, right? Toronto brought in Brad boys and Mark Arcobello, you know, veteran guys who have been around and grinded it out and really know what they're doing. But from what I've heard and from what I've seen out of a guy who's paid a lot of money to play on that team, like JT Miller, 
that doesn't really seem like the role that's meant for him. And they're trading a guy like Bo Horvat, who just plays a way where you want to emulate him, right? You want to play physical when you watch him play hockey. So I don't know. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be a careful thing for them to navigate. Uh, but yeah, it, it's gonna be a careful thing for them to navigate. Um, but we'll see what happens. Um, how is pace different from speed? Is pace just an application of speed? That's a very good question. Um, it is. It is different. I mean, I see it as you know, you can be the fastest guy in the world, but if your hands suck, uh, and especially if your hands if your hands are good when you're slow, but when you go fast, uh, they're very bad. That to me is uh, the effect of, of of a pace thing, right? Like, can you make plays moving really quickly? Can you make scans and read the ice when you're going really quickly? What what are you able to do when you're pushing guys on their heels? Are you skating directly into them? Are you shifting your body weight to sort of fake them out one side or the other? Are you trying to challenge them laterally or get their feet moving in weird ways that maybe gives you a bit of a break? Um, all of that comes down to playing with a lot of pace. Um, you know, how about off ice or off the off the puck? Yeah, you got to be speedy. That's one thing. But are you agile? Can you turn quickly? Can you adapt to changes in play really, really quickly? Um, how how quickly are you on the fork on the fork? How, how, how quick are you on the four check, right? Like, do you, you know, are you, are you really chasing guys down? Do you, do you follow up on pressure or do you do all these things like that to me is all sort of the idea of, of pace. It's an all around application of feet and hands and brain sort of intertwined, uh, together. Who would you say is the smartest player of the draft class? Um, you know, I, I'll break it down into offensively and defensively. Like, to me, smart is just guys who you don't really have to worry about a whole lot. I would put Simashev there for defense, like a defensive player. I would put Simashev offensively. Mm, I want to say Perron, maybe Smith. Uh, I mean, Edward Chalet makes the most out of what he's got. And and I come away looking at Chalet going, okay, he, he's got the right idea a lot of the time. It just doesn't work out every time. He just doesn't have the feet to make it work, but he does have the brain. So maybe Chalet as well. Uh, is Riley Height and Ridley Gregg similar? Uh, no, I don't think so. They're pretty different. Um, I think they're similarly skilled maybe, but Ridley Gregg is just a, is just a wrecking ball. Uh, and just attacking guys all over the place. And Riley Height does pretty much the opposite, I think. Uh, hey, Will, do you think Lambert's going to shine this year as Finland's two center, second center, second line center? He hasn't played at all at center with the Moose, and that has me a little worried about the role change. I think he'll just be fine. You know, he's going back to play against junior competition for the first time in a long time. I think he's going to play just fine, and they're going to play him a lot for Finland. At least I hope they do. Uh, the problem with the Predators is they never tank like New Jersey or, or the Avalanche or Arizona. Yes, that is true. They don't do that. Um, and they never draft high. That's true. They don't do that, but that's, they've just, they've, I've been, they're at the point, they're at a turning point. I think they're at a turning point where it's going to get a little rough and look, look, if the Nashville Predators want to help rebuilding their team and drafting for the future, I'm happy to help because I love Bridgestone arena. I love the city. I've never been, but I want, I'm going next year to the draft and I cannot wait. Um, I love the mustard jerseys. They look, the French's mustard jerseys is just so much fun. Um, so I've got a lot of hope for the Predators. I've had a lot of soft spot for them for a while. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll see. Um, any Germans you like this year? Mm, no, not really. 
Uh, Dragosevich is just Eric Gustafson 2.0 and you can't convince me otherwise. That is a good, that is a good thought. That is an interesting thought. And I have not thought about it that way. I could see that. Yes. Uh, a guy who maybe goes to the NHL and scores 40 points, but everyone wonders why he's not being paid $6 million a year. I could see that. Yes. How skilled is Hanzik? Are there hints at upside beyond middle six? I think so. Um, pace issues despite the IQ. Yeah, I do think that's a bit of an issue, but his hands for a big guy are great. And I think that the pace can be dealt with when you train him for the next few years. Like sometimes big guys just need more time to get more comfortable on their feet, right? Like Owen Pickering was five, seven when he was drafted. And then he went to become her to went on to become six, four in about three years. So it was a little strange seeing him Bambi legged out there. There's another guy this year. Who's exactly like that. He's huge and skates really, really well, and he looks like he weighs about 120 pounds because he was 120 pounds like two years ago, and I can't remember who it was. Uh, oh, Hoyt Stanley. Hoyt Stanley is a big kid. I think he's bigger than what he's listed at. He looks like he's like 6'3", 6'4", but he looks like he's about 180 pounds. He plays like he's 5'9", though, and I love it. I really, really like Hoyt Stanley, and I have a lot of time for him. Um, but yeah, you asked about Hanzik. I, I do think that there are hints of, of a lot of upside there. I could see him being drafted way higher than I have him ranked, and I would totally understand why. Um, as a Hawks fan, that one season is always fun to remember, but there has never been a player who has frustrated me more than Eric Gustafson. Yes, he is. That's true. Um, okay, last question of the night because it's a good one to end on, and I am very, very sore in the throat area. Uh, thoughts on my Lord and savior, Ignat Lutfullen. I love him. This guy, this guy is playing on a poo poo team in the Russian junior league. Uh, he is on a poo poo team. Let's just say, uh, is, is Jesse Puglia-Yarvi elite or overrated defensively? I mean, I think he's perfectly fine, but that guy needs a change of scenery more than pretty much anyone in the league. And it looked good there for a little while, but boy, I feel like that guy could go somewhere else and, and be a pretty good bottom six energy guy. Um, yeah, but this team is poo-poo. Uh, he has 22 points in 25 games, and the next highest leading scorer that has played more than 20 games has 13 points. Um, my data has him at around a 60% involvement. And uh, yeah, I mean, Ignat is a tremendously skilled, really high pace guy. Um, you know, he works hard on the back check as well, which is why I think he has such good results. Um, you know, no one's really talking about him, but the more I watch him, the more I like, and, and, you know, I, I wonder about his sort of lateral agility combining with his skate or with his skill to sort of get around pressure at higher levels. Um, I would love to see him on a different team, but with what, with, with dealing with what he's got, he's a, a really, really talented player. And I certainly think, uh, there's a lot to like about Ignat. I've got him in my second round and I'd be happy to draft him. I have him shortlisted. Um, if you want, we can look at my shortlist before signing off for the evening. Um, the Leafs. So if you don't know, team scouting is just me drafting in leaf slots just to put my money where my mouth is. Like here are the guys I draft. Um, first round pick in 2020 in the 22 to 32 range, which I'm estimating. Uh, I'm hoping Andrew Crystal's there. I doubt it. Axel Sandin Pelika. I doubt it. Simashev is possible. I think Jaden Perron is likely, Gavin Brindley is likely, uh, and I, that's a decent group of five. They've got two third-round picks, first set of picks. I've got Pinelli, uh, Timur Mukhanov, William Whitelaw, Martin Mishak, and Trey Augustine. I'd be happy with any of those. Uh, the second third-round pick, I've got Idar Suniev, Andre Molnar, Oscar Fisker-Molgard, Jakob Dvorak, and Denver Barkey. All those guys I would be not surprised to see them available at the end of the third round. 
Um, in the later rounds, I think this is a fifth rounder, Grayson Sachin, Gennady Chali, Ignat Lutfullin's in there, Tom Willander, Felix Nilsson, and Anton Wahlberg. Uh, and then the last, or Anton Wahlberg, Hoyt Stanley, Matthew Soto, Griffin Erdman, and Michael Burch will close it all out. I'd, I'd, any of these guys, I'd be thrilled if they were available in these in this range. Um, so we'll see how the draft goes. We've only got six, seven more months to wait, guys. It's going to be great. Um, and yeah, so that's going to be it for tonight. Uh, I am, I need to, I need to take a rest. Uh, happy Christmas. Stay safe over the holidays. Uh, if you live in the GTA, beware of the storm, drive safe. Um, you know, hug your families before we close, uh, just uh, to get this out of the way as well. I just want to say, uh, I should have done this off the top of the show, but, um, you know, I really send my best condolences to, uh, the London Knights and the family of Akbar Kazbekov. Uh, just a horrible thing that happened over there. Uh, you never, ever, ever want to see that happening. And it's awful and, and unfortunate and sad. Um, so my thoughts are with him and have been since I heard the news. That's awful, awful stuff. You know, 18 years old is way too young. Um, I remember being 18 and, you know, I wasn't an elite level hockey player, but, you know, you, I've I've struggled with my own sort of mental issues uh, and, and health issues over the years off and on and, and, and dealing dealing with loss and, 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 and dealing with what goes on in my own head, uh, especially at that age, it can be a lot. And, um, so if anyone is, you know, feeling not so great, you know, uh, there, there are ways out of, of that, that, that are, that are beneficial for you and everyone around you. Um, you know, I, I think we live in a world that is very intense and, um, in, and intense in a way that I think is, is very damaging to a lot of people, especially young people. Uh, you know, I, I am, I am, I consider myself extraordinarily fortunate to have grown up in an era where social media came along when I was 16 and wasn't really developed fully into sort of a corporate behemoth in the world until I was well into my twenties, I would say early twenties. Um, I remember the world before the internet. I remember that, you know, things as simple as bullying, generally generally not always but generally ended when you left school and i don't know what was going on with akabar kazbakov and it's not my job to figure it out or or tell you um it it's just not it's not proper but i do just you know there's there's you know there are there are a lot of problems with how things are and how stressful things can be and 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 the expectations that the modern world can put on a person um and, and it might not even have been that it doesn't really matter what it was, but, but it is, it's a horrible tragedy and awful to, to hear. Um, so yeah, thoughts are with the London Knights and, and, and his family. So, uh, all the best to, uh, everyone involved as best as they can be. Uh, and again, if, if anyone in here is, you know, dealing with things or struggling or anything, um, you know, there are people out there who will help, who will help whether they're close to you or not. Um, people will help you know? So anyway, I hope, I hope all is well with all of you during the holidays. Uh, things are not always great, especially around this time of the year for people. So, um, especially with how hard things have been maybe economically for some people recently, I was at the grocery store the other day and I saw that a head of broccoli is now $5 and 50 cents, which is horrifying. Um, but anyway, I'm, I'm going on for way too long on this. It was just something that I should have mentioned off the top of the show and forgot. So I apologize for that. Uh, didn't have my notes in front of me like a silly boy, but, uh, yeah, really, really unfortunate stuff. So, um, you know, all the best to you all have a great holiday season. Enjoy the world juniors. We're not going to do a stream next week. 
Uh, we'll come back in the new year, so have a great new year's. Be safe then as well, because that can get out of control too. Um, but uh, have a great time off. Uh, enjoy yourselves. Enjoy your families. Uh, enjoy your enjoy your time. Uh, whatever it is you're choosing to do. Happy holidays. Uh, whatever you choose to celebrate or not celebrate. Um, hail Satan. All that fun stuff. And uh, see you in the new year. Happy 2020. I hope your 2022 went great. Uh, let's get uh, let's get uh, let's get all those things checked off the list for 2023. And uh, we'll see.